Hi, my name is Auntie AK. You're watching Your Aunties Could Never. And I am here with... Auntie Farah. Auntie Nana. And... Auntie She Talks. <laughs> What's your name? What's your name? Do you want to I don't have. I don't okay. have. <laughs> Auntie Cheryl. Hi. Hi. Um, hey guys. How are okay? What's been the highlight of your week, ladies? Of the week so far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just a new undisclosed thing that we're doing each week now. Well, I'm trying to think because when I ask you how you lot are, sometimes I'm get um No, but there's no like, prep. So if I'm if I know that it's coming, then I'll have something no it's fine it's just in the moment it's not to be thought about it's not overly thought because i don't even know what the highlight of my week has been so even when i'm asking again i have no clue of what my highlight of the week will be yeah i got my glasses i can see it's like hd woohoo i have legs i can see they're very nice i still have to follow through on my consultation thank you very much to glass eyewear who are in denmark and yeah did a little survey Got little glasses, didn't have to oh, pay. Cute. Gave them about 12 names. Should have got more glasses for myself. I did not. But I'm putting it out here that they're really nice. So if you want to hook me up again. See, that's a great highlight. Auntie Nana, what's been the highlight of your week? So far, so the week started on Sunday. I would say Sunday was a highlight of my week so far. I spent it at Melvin's house and we went to the cinema to watch Doctor Strange. And he's my one of my favourite Marvel characters. So it was brilliant. And I ate. And now my belly is so buff, I need to go on a diet. But that was the highlight of my week so far. You don't need to diet. What you need to do is rethink who your favourite Marvel character is. Because I cannot fathom <laughs> in any multiverse it being Doctor Strange. Doctor Strange is no, number one or two. And then made, between him and Ant-Man, I'm not sure which one. Oh, you're not a Marvel fan. You're not. Because you said him or Ant-Man. Like, you're not a Marvel fan. No. Auntie Cheryl, what's been the highlight of your week so far? From you going from the past week. Can I say being here with you ladies? Yes, you can. Oh, of course you can. This is a nice punctuation of fun. So yeah, this so far. Because everything else has just been work. So this so far. Oh, okay. Thank you, sugar pie. Okay, guys. Um, what was yours? Oh, I always forget. See, I told you. Before. Mine is so far, obviously, my weekend, which I'll talk about in my sad, my glad. But my weekend was fun. And today, the highlight of today has been I helped coordinate networking drinks for London Film and it went well. Literally, that's why I was a little bit late because I was running from central London to come home to do, the, to do the show. It was fun. And actually, yeah, my highlight is having Miss Auntie Cheryl along because we come full circle in our life together many years and it's very cute that you're on the show. It's actually quite cute. So it's really a, cute. It's, it's a long free highlight. Cute. It's a free <laughs> highlight. <laughs> so, yeah. All right then, guys, get your plates, get your drinks, and let's start the show. Auntie Farah, bring us in, warm us up. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes. Okay. Nana's favourite. Oh, Would you rather? Okay. Okay. <clears throat> Would you rather always have a runny nose or always have a buzzing ear? A runny nose. I can't deal with noises. A, a running nose. Because people yeah. with tetanus, they, it can drive people mad. So I think a running nose, I could deal with that. 
I feel like I would rather have a buzzing ear for some reason. Because I feel like after a while, I feel like with incessant noises, after a while, you're going to start to get used to it. And you could probably function without it. But because I personally hate people sniffing and sniveling around me, I don't want to be that person. I would hate to be that person, always sniffing. Even people blowing their nose. I know they're like they're doing the right thing, but I don't want to. And just imagine like all the tissues and handkerchiefs you're going through, all that mucus. I changed my mind, it's true. It's only because I know, go on, Auntie Farah, finish your point. I was going to agree with Cheryl, because as a sufferer of tinnitus, I can safely say that I'm just used to it now. It's only if it's like really silent or I'm about to go to sleep that I notice it or if I'm stressed. But I I just live with it. I could not live with, I couldn't live with having to constantly blow my nose or wipe my nose or it's running or you're just talking to someone and it's just running you've always got tissue up your nose because it's just running and who could control the type of mucus that it would be uh, uh, exactly vomit no i'll keep my tinnitus it's cool do you know what you actually yeah it's true i'm going to remove my original answer come to the tinnitus crew tinnitus tinnitus crew it's the lawyer in me no, no, it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah, I forget. Because you know what? The worst thing is when everyone knows and your nose, they only get nose cuts. I because I always have sinus mm-hmm. problems and hate them. When you have nose cuts, are the most painful thing on earth. Well, one of them. But yeah, it's awful when you have a nose cut. So yeah. Okay, next one. Okay, next one. Would you rather be trapped inside Jurassic Park or trapped inside a, a video game? Oh, that's quite interesting because I, I want to do both. I think... Well, you would actually positively welcome this. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I actually would. I want to see dinosaurs, so that would be great. But I also want to be in, in a simulation anyway, but I would like to live it and know that's what I'm doing. So I think the video game. Oh, my God. I think the video game, because I could probably pick, because it's, you just said video game, so I'm not remixing the team. I could be in any video game I like. So I could pick one that's fun and just live in the video game. Because as much as I would love the idea of exploring new dinosaurs and new species and the vast, beautiful lands that they show in Jurassic Park, ultimately, Tyrannosaurus Rex is out there, in it, ready to come in. And it's not even them, it's the Velocir- Velocir- what are they? Velociraptors. Raptors. It's the Raptors that just have no vox and they just go hugging and they just come for you <laughs> and they just that you. Hacking. that's what they do <laughs> that's what they do encourage her she has a noise for everything it's stressful I'm sure she's caused my tinnitus <laughs> <laughs> wow where would you end up? Now that you said about being able to choose the video game, Ooh. I feel like it would be the video game. Ooh. But when I, I have to admit, when I when I when you first posed the question, I was thinking about hold on a minute, why would I be in a video game? Because would the food be real? Like, okay, you know that I don't go anywhere unless you guarantee their snacks. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Is there snacks? Girl, <laughs> talking, talking, talking. Oh, is there snacks? 
talking about the lack of real actual food in a video game. But if you can guarantee me that I could have the things in the video game in real life, I would go into the Sims universe Ooh. or something yeah. like that and just chill there. And you guys could even come and see me. You could be like on the screen and like <laughs> controlling me and stuff. So I think it would be quite fun. nice. Yeah. I think I would go to Jurassic Park, weirdly, even though there's things that can kill you. I feel like if I was in Jurassic Park, I'd be like them people, them bad boy chicks that get away and just know the thing. I'd be that person. But in a video game, I feel like it's too close to real, like the Matrix or, you know. And what if you die? Huh? You could be Sonic. I don't want to be a hedgehog. All day long collecting rings. That's your life. It's great. No. <laughs> I'd like to see dinosaurs like the nice little ones and pet them and then be the bad boy chick that gets away. That's what I would want. Okay. Last one. Would you rather clone yourself or have a pet that can talk? Clone myself, definitely. I think that would be the absolute best thing for the world if there was another me. So I would clone myself. Agreed. The way I get stuff done, because we just finally understand what it is I need to do. You need to do this. I need to do this. We need to do this. This is just done. It's done. The empire will be huge with two me's. What's the other option apart from cloning yourself? A talking Have a pet that can talk. talk. <laughs> a talking dog. You know yet. what? The thing is, I have always... See, I have brothers. I have loads of sister friends, but I have brothers. So I have always wanted a sister. But then sometimes when I think about it further, I just think, but what if she was like, I don't know, super annoying or like the antithesis of me, like that would just be a war zone. So I feel like if I could clone me, that would be a good thing. And like you said, Kia, that would be quite good because the way I need to get <laughs> things done sometimes, and there could be two of me. But then I could, now I'm just thinking, how would the outside world accept us? What would happen? We'd be twins. You'd just be, uh, present yourself as twin come from. Clones. You're not twins, you are clones. Yes. Right. Stop no. remixing. I never said, would you rather have a twin? No, I didn't say that. I'm saying I that. did not say, would you rather have a twin? Because the thing is, imagine you now, everyone knows you ain't got a twin, and you you now have the ability to clone yourself. If there's another reason, they're not going to suddenly be like, oh, no, I never knew you had a twin. <laughs> the way I'm not famous yet. Whatever, I mean, BAFTA party. But we would know. We would yeah, know. But the, the if fact you suddenly up with a clone. At the end, if I, no, let's listen, let's wait, pause. If I was to say, guys, my dad just told me all this time, my mum and dad just told me, you don't want to argue. You don't, don't know my life. My, my my parents could have had I her. know your life. No, but my parents could have had her in Ghana at some deep village and said, by the no. way, we decided to present. It could happen, though. The let's no. not go like it couldn't happen. That no. would be my story, and I'm sticking to it. You, you have to interchange. You can't be in the same place together. Right. Yeah, no. Uh, uh, I, you can't I, be in the same place together. Why? It's like one's got to go out and the other one stays in and the other why? goes out. It's, it's, it's a clone. To be honest with you, to be honest with you. It's a clone. Yeah, it's a clone. Nah, that's getting extra creepy. 
absolutely not cloning myself because you know what? There's going to come a day that clone is going to turn on you. Okay? <laughs> that depends on how... The and then it's going to turn into some different kind of movie. So <laughs> that's a no on the how of the clones. It depends on how the clone is treated and exists because the clone is enjoying <laughs> the same perks as myself. <laughs> No, but you can't because you lot don't know. This is how it is. The Michael Keaton film back in the day. There's a Michael Keaton film back in the day where he clones himself. There's a series with Ant Man where he clones himself. It doesn't end well. The clones never appreciate anything because they know they're a clone and they feel like none of their memories, none of their feelings, nothing that they can think is even theirs. It but there's only one well. narrative. There's not the alternative narrative of what if a clone is treated well? Because clones are usually used for warfare. <laughs> They're usually used for warfare and anti-society. You just said that you would have your clone badden up the place in terms of workload. So straight away, your clone's just like coming to this world and it's just watching <laughs> like a donkey. Angry. Straight away. No, no I'm saying that we would share the load. So you got... Straight into adulthood and hard work. No, that's and no, they're like two days old. They are a day old, and all their memories, and even their their no. to do that's something is based on false. Not. It's a false narrative. It's that they haven't lived their own life. They're immediately but, just coming and trying yeah, to, yeah. to be you. But wait, and having to deal with the pressures of trying to be you. Listen, yeah, wait, 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 immediately no. The first story. No. The first story about a clone is the fact that they've been cloned. No one has a narrative about the clone's existence apart from warfare. My clones... Same warfare. None of the things... No, I no, no. My point is a lot of the stories about clones end up in the negative space where they're, they're not living an existence that's suitable to them. My point is, yes, my clone could come and help me with the workload. If they choose not to, I'm like, do you know what? I just want to chill. Then they're just here. I have a clone. What is my talking pet going to do? Then what do you do? Make an... <laughs> All right, so my answer now. My yeah. answer now, right? I am going to have a talking pet. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you for why. Because if I had a talking pet, the amount of money that I would make off of that talking pet, I could hire all the staff that I needed to hire to do all the things that I want to be done. Without a pet, I know, I know that me, Farah, can be difficult sometimes. I don't want to deal with me. I don't want to deal with a, a, a worse version, a version that hasn't even really lived my life, has to hasn't come to terms with understanding that your life started yesterday. No, I don't want to deal with that person. I know what I can be like. I don't but want let to deal me with just that say, person. say something. Respectfully, even if I had a talking pet, I'm good. I would not tell that side role. Because, you know, just listen to you seen movies because what would happen if you tell the world talks is you, you know when you're sleeping in bed and then all of a sudden you hear the helicopter light like and all the pets you want to pet for it for, for experimental purposes why would you leave people i just want the pet so that you know what me him or her can have conversations i can send the pet out to be snooping and, and finding what's going on, I could leave my pet in certain... It's a good places. idea. All right. no, I thought no, about the pet saying, but eventually... I like your, I like your version. No, but every, not, every pet, not every place is pet friendly. So just because you rock up and like, my pet's just in my... And you're saying pet. Is it a cat? Is it a dog? Is it an iguana? It's definitely a all, dog for me. It's definitely a dog. And the most explain, explainable thing is I've got this twin that just came from Ghana. 
No. You explain your fucking pet. But then immediately you're making your clone lie for you. Immediately. You're, you're, you're she you're then she has then given your animal out of Ghana. Having never even been to Ghana, and all her memories of Ghana are actually yours. We can figure it out. You're pimping your pet out to make money for you. Your pet's going to be tired. <laughs> my, pimp, my pets live in the high life. We're just making high money life. from and it. And you you're assuming your pet wants to be out there talking for money. Oh, oh she's not. She's a, a pet, not a clone. So it has to do as I say. Either way. Oh, wow. Let's get the comments. <laughs> This is why I hate this game. Okay. Hello to everybody that is um, listening to us and watching us on YouTube and Facebook. Please like, comment, and share, and subscribe to our YouTube as well. So we have a hello from Ronald. Hello. Don't, don't ignore your husband. I was coming to that one. <laughs> Nia Darte Evans says, just here to say my wife is looking buff. Thank you, as you were. Thank you, husband. Yo, <laughs> And Ronald says, won't your clone just be a human pet? And it's for that That's what I'm saying. It's all much of a muchness. It doesn't oh, matter. It's your, no. the way you lot arguing against me and my clone. You lot are doing the same to your pet. Apart from yeah, at least keep your a pet, pet is hidden used. inside. It knows it's The pet knows it's place. And the thing is, your pet will be intelligent. Your pet will be talking and learning things and be like, I don't need to be a pet. I need to be free. I can talk. He will be free because the way my pet will be going places, it will become part of gang. It will be traveling <laughs> with me. It could tell me what food it likes from what it doesn't like. It will have an elevated same pet lifestyle. But the clone is supposed to be human. But that's fine. And it will get more out of life than the dog that talks. Oh. God, no, this is the fault. I'm, I'm having a clone anyway, it's fine. It's a clone. All right, moving on. Okay, KKKK. Who are we welcoming to the family? It's my turn. And I'd like to welcome the wonderful Selma Nichols. She's the founder of Looks Like Me Talent, can't say agency, talent group. And basically she represents and she finds, helps organizations find black talent for shows, commercials, and things like that. Primarily young black creatives and young actors and everything. And I bumped, met Cheryl years ago. I don't know if any of you guys remember when Black Panther was about in the UK. She had a beautiful campaign of young children emulating the images and poses of the original Black Panther characters when they came out. And it was, it, they went viral and we met, We Are Parable put on, coordinated with the BFI to collaborate, I should say, with the BFI to put on a Black Panther preview film screening when it was all the big buzz. And Selma had an Arctic exhibition of her pictures there. And it was just wonderful. Like we met because I was sitting next to her in the preview and uh, the Q&A host had an interview with Brian Coogler, the director of Black Panther. She, he wanted to meet Selma because he'd seen the pictures from America. Was, oh my God, this is amazing. And then she called out and said, is Selma Nichols in the audience? And Selma was like, oh my God, that's me. But she was with her child. So she said to me, please look after my child. I mean, listen, get your ass down there and go and meet Ryan Coogler. Because she was nervous. She was scared. She didn't know what to do. I said, get your ass down there. Go the hell and big yourself up to Ryan Coogler. Ryan Coogler. So I looked after her daughter while she went downstairs. And then it's just come full circle. We had a nice TBB Talks interview, which you can listen to on the TBB Talks podcast. And she's just a very inspiring woman, single mom, just had faith in her dreams and literally went, did so many things to get her dream over the line. And it's just amazing what 
some what passion, faith and determination can do to turn your life around. And subsequently on the back of doing Black Panther, she also was the UK casting um, director for uh, Wizkid and Beyonce's Brownstein Girls videos. Um, mm -hmm. She's done so well. So I just want to welcome Selma because she's amazing and she's a Scorpio. So she gets extra special credit. Welcome. Okay. Welcome, Salma. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And that is it. Now, time to start the show with what have you heard? And for the culture, when we have a guest, we bring them all together. And I think what we're going to do is go through the list and see what we want to talk about. And we do one. We've got a special message. Okay, go ahead. Oh yes, we have a special message from Auntie Shade. You can't be with. We haven't even mentioned Auntie Shade. Because I will just slot in so <laughs> I was like, because I said to Auntie Shade, we're going to cause dissension between you two. Auntie Shade was going to replace Auntie Shade coming to But yes, Auntie um, Nana. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'm going to set me against my Auntie Shade coming for us, yeah? I yeah. Just I'm not a part of this. I, I did not say that, Auntie Shade. Okay? <laughs> that never came from me. Mm -hmm. All right? It's That's just it. the one, one person mentioned it, not the other two. Okay, here's her message. Hey guys, I'm so, so sorry I can't be there today. Cheryl, I'm so sorry to be missing you. I absolutely love you and stuff. Like, please, just everybody just know that I really look up to this lady. She's just absolutely wonderful. Everything she does is with like poise and grace and she's just thoroughly amazing. So if it's super loud. All right, see you guys next week, bye. Auntie Shade looking great. Looking beautiful. Yeah. Looking that beautiful. was lovely. That was cute, isn't it? <laughs> that was so cute. Why don't the rest of you aunties talk nice about me? Talk to me nicely. We might do later. <laughs> Please. Um, okay. Mean, give us a chance to get to your moment when we are going to give <laughs> lots of praise and glory. Lots and lots of praise. Okay, guys. So, Auntie Farah, what have you heard? Actually, let me do it like this. We have new laws against protesting about the Queen's speech. We've got SPAC Nation, who has been hosting free brunches for 13 to 16-year-old girls. We have the 12-year-old who was hit by a white woman with a paddle bar. Why did it take social media outrage to get this case reopened and investigated? We have Miss R Fabulous, who's been hospitalized due to inhaling laughing gas through balloons. Her appendix burst. Have you done balloons before? Did you know it was dangerous? And we have the abortion bill. If Roe v. Wade in America is over overturned, if the Republicans get their way, what effect will it have in the UK? And Mr. Kevin Samuels, relationship guru, unfortunately passed away over the weekend. It's caused a lot of discussion. And my question is, is it okay to bash someone you don't like when they've passed? So what do you want to get into first and foremost? Pick a story, any story. Suppose we should do Kevin Samuels. Hi. Yeah. Hello. Straight in. Okay, straight in. That's my story, my culture story. So if you haven't, if you've been living under a rock, Mr. Kevin Samuels, we literally spoke about him. The last time we spoke about him with, with, with when, was when our guest Kojo, the comedian, was on. And basically Kevin Samuels is a relationship, a self-prescribed or self-described relationship guru and image consultant who blew up by telling us black folks how to be better in our relationships. At first he targeted his audience, his target audience was men. Black men, how to fix up, be better, come better. But then he cottoned on to the fact that mm, men weren't listening to him in the same way that 
women were or women were engaging and how it's a lot more lucrative to talk about women and our failings than it is to talk about men. So he remixed his thing and became known for berating mostly women. He did berate black men as well, but mostly, and I say black, I think he spoke to anyone who would call into his show. However, it was just the black community that we primarily focused on. And he'd tell us about ourselves, calling us low rate women or low rate or and women who are over 35 are past the sell by date. And he had a lot of controversy following him because he basically was deemed a misogynistic, misogynistic, hates black women type of man. But unfortunately, because death is unfortunate, he passed away from a heart attack over the weekend. And it caused a lot of conversation on Twitter. Namely, a lot of people were like, ha, you get, you reap what you sow. And others were like, no, he's my king, my God, my, my everything. And it's Not very my bad. King, like, my God. You were talking against him. It's really bad to speak ill of the dead. So is it, my question, ill, bad practice to speak ill of the dead, regardless their legacy whilst they were alive? Go. No. <laughs> <laughs> it isn't. Do it straight to it. Yep, the thing on. is, yeah, for though, if you agreed with him or disagreed with him, you stand by your statement previously, right? Because he has now, unfortunately, and let's not beat around the bush, it's unfortunate, the man was 56 years old. That's very sad that he passed away. But that doesn't mean that you have to agree with everything that he said. Exactly. You know, much there are politicians from slavery days who did some shit and said some shit that a load of people agreed with at the time. Since their passing, and since the world has changed and evolved, people realize that they were chatting out of their asses. Should we still agree with them? Are we not allowed to discuss what they did wrong? There were a lot of people, I can't even say what I wanted to say, but there were a lot of people who agreed with certain people in this world who have done wrong, and later on, changed their minds or stuck to their guns. When people die, it doesn't exclude them of what they've said. It doesn't mean that you can't, you suddenly have to be like, oh, actually, I can't speak, I can't mention what they did it was bad because they're dead now. When a serial fucking killer dies, you still can say that you're a serial killer and what you did was wrong. What, you can't speak ill of the dead. You can. You, he said what he said. He lived and he died by what he stood for. And I can say that I didn't agree with him. It doesn't mean that I wish that I'm glad that he died. I'm not glad that he died, but I still don't agree with anything that he said. I think it's more the people that were really celebrating, literally was like, ding dong, the witch is dead. Like all of that type of truly celebrating that he had passed. I, I think that you, I think that you speak ill of the dead because I think that's the part of living. If you really appreciate that the time that you have on this plane is to actually be a good person and that your legacy means something, your legacy meaning something could be that it was there and it was negative or it was positive. To some people, his legacy is negative. To other people, his legacy is really positive. I watched Sarah Garvey go live on YouTube and give Kevin Samuel an absolute eulogy and was singing his praises and was literally like, the Godfather has gone. We should all be celebrating his life. 
God bless his family and what he brought to society and all of that. There's loads of men that are heralding him. And there are other men and women that are like, he was an absolute shit. And that's the sword that he was ridden by. I do think it was a character that he was putting on, definitely. The more videos that I've watched, the more I am like, this was such a money-making ploy, such a caricature, and it's annoying that he even has the prominence that he had, but we live and learn. But I am i don't think it's bad, and I don't think anybody is going to be damned for cursing Kevin Samuels in his death. I think it's just a part of life. If Katie Hopkins died, I don't think anybody would bat an eyelid if we were all singing and dancing and had street parties. I don't think anybody would care. So, you know, same difference. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how you feel? I'd well, never I, wish. Oh, I'm getting feedback. I never, I wouldn't intend for someone to die. It was a bit of a shock. Like, okay. Actually, not even shock. I was like, oh, Kevin died. Um, it's interesting to see how much people really depended on him. And I, for me, I felt sorry for the people who feel that like he's left a void in their lives. Because then it's like, where are you at in life that this guy filled in such a gap and was talking so much truth to power to you that you have felt an immense loss. Like I'm trying to think of a celebrity who I'd feel like a loss as in I was taking life lessons from them and I feel like they them going and never speaking again. I think maybe and I don't take I don't know. I don't there's no one like a celebrity status that is they went the I'd, I'd lose I'd have a hole in my heart. I could miss somebody. I could miss like some maybe my favorite podcast because okay they're not gonna work anymore. But that's, you don't have to be as dramatic as death. It could be that they quit their, the job that they're doing and I might miss that or a show, TV show ending. But to feel like my whole life has a hole in it because somebody was speaking so much truth to me and in that way that I was taking so much from a man who was just disrespecting my whole existence. And, and as Auntie Nana said, scamming us because he was he did create a persona. He saw where the money was. He saw where the money resides and he picked up on where the money resides and he made money residing in that space disrespecting us and talking to us like we're shit the guy had the conversation where he said and i watched that i've got other clips i've seen it he said that the reason why you shouldn't really date a woman with a child and especially a girl child is because if that girl child decides to accuse the man of molesting her or something and the woman chooses to believe the child over the man. That's a wrong situation to be in. That was the basis of his advice. How are you rating that man? And the fact of them, do you know what? I would be more respectful of him if he genuinely believed what he was saying. But the fact that I feel that I could see behind the curtain his Wizard of Oz puppet strings, his puppet mastery, and he was just capitalizing on people's insecurities, that makes it even worse that the shit that he's saying peddling out there that you've got someone who's potentially a quite intelligent young man doing a eulogy saying we should be uplifting and worshipping and the ground that this misogynistic man worked walked on and i want to i was saying i want to know his legacy has he got the papers that he was talking about was he a high value black man but he felt apparently he died on top of a, a, a casual relationship someone that he just met the day before you're really preaching what you're practicing you're not practicing what you're preaching really also what was his what he would say was desirable was like a 150 115 pounds so 140 pounds and this girl has a bottom like 
she's not. <laughs> no, <laughs> but she's she's tippers like. <laughs> okay. So in that either. You also just met her to the point where she doesn't know any of your family. Like it took a day for your family to actually confirm your death because they needed the authorities to get to them, and she didn't know you're next of kin. So they had to find that. All of those things to me is like, how were you? Why was anybody even listening to him in the first place? He'd been divorced. That's twice. The, I think that's the problem. That to me is the thing that kind of stands out to me because I can't imagine. Okay. At least when you have celebrities, I can almost understand how people get roped in into believing that they are some kind of good person. Because we often conflate celebrity with, oh, this person must be a great person. And then you develop through social media and stuff and through the the visibility and, and sometimes accessibility of these people, you develop like parasocial relationships with them. Okay, I, I get that. Doesn't happen to me, but I get that. But Kevin Samuels, wasn't even a cause celeb like what was his art <laughs> what was he what what he do <laughs> just you mean just talking simple talking yeah that's what people were falling for yeah so for me it's, it's a big no like i if i knew if people were if guys around me which thankfully they're not were, were really like oh yeah we loved it no i would be shocked disappointed and we'd have to go through a certain level of exorcism to understand and get that out of them so so that's the, that's the first thing right that's the first thing like who was he even to be hanging off his words did he tell you that he was educated was he even earning the 10 to 15k a month that he said you have to be earning to be a high value man so that's the first thing Secondly, just thinking about speaking ill of the dead, right? You have to stand firm in what you stand for. So basically, when Chadwick Boseman died, did you see how people were speaking of him on, right. you know, on the platforms that we have access to? Same thing, even somebody in a different area, music, Nipsey Hussle, right? Yeah. I didn't even, I wasn't even really a fan of Nipsey Hussle. The, his death unfortunately in, introduced me to much of his work because I really went and started listening to it and then finding out who and what he was about. But people were talking about him so highly because of the work that he did um, in his own community. Contrast that with Margaret Thatcher. And you even use the term, ding dong, the witch is dead. Now, those people, the response to their death has been created by what they stood for and what they stood firmly for. They made no bones about it. So for me, I feel as though if this is what Kevin stood for and you don't agree about it, you can say, still, I think he was an ass. I think those views were disgusting. And I saw something on Twitter which really, which I thought was really actually quite powerful. And it said, not speaking ill of the dead is how generational trauma is passed down. And not speaking ill of the dead are how family secrets are left to repeat themselves over and over. And I, the first bit, I've literally ad-libbed that second bit, but I think that's where they're going. That's where they're coming from. If you don't want to speak ill of the dead and say what this person done and, and call it out in the same way that you would 
if they were alive, I feel it might even present a false, like a, a false memory in history and cover up a load of stuff. So no, I don't really, I don't really subscribe to that. I, 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 I wouldn't, I don't, I also don't subscribe to celebrating the fact that somebody's died, but that's just me. I can't speak for somebody else's position on that. I can't speak for how they were affected by a person who has died. So I'm just like, I'm not going to celebrate it. I'm indifferent to Kevin Samuels. But yeah, I'm not going to try and police how other people react to his passing. I'm really not. Because that same energy, unless it was reciprocated in the, like against the poisonous, in my view, messaging that he put out, I'm not trying to hear it. Yeah. I'm literally yeah, I think you hit the nail on many different heads there. Yeah. Auntie Nana also hit the nail on the head when you you tweeted and you said you can you say what you tweeted? Oh sure. Still put me on the spot. Okay. <laughs> what was my tweet? It was that I care as much about Kevin Samuels passing as I did about Prince Philip, people die every day, B. And yeah. It's that, that. those were my sentiments. That was like, I'm hearing Kevin Samuels has died. And I literally shrugged. I was like, oh. And what, what that's me. <laughs> and you know what? That's so that's so telling that someone so polarizing and impactful in the cultural moment that the reaction to his passing for me as well was oh. I've had no emotion. I actually haven't processed the fact the man has actually died. It's not affected me in any type of way. However, I was very annoyed that he existed in his platform. Like his day-to-day -day existence irritated me. Like his yeah. passing hasn't bothered me. Yeah. And I, it doesn't seem real. It doesn't even just like, he no longer exists. And I'm actually, I don't want him, to, I wouldn't have wished death, but I'm actually glad that he's a rhetoric. I just hope he he's not going to be martyred. And I, I do think he's going to be easy, quickly forgotten. I don't know yeah. the guys that are a bit like he, because he was so popular, it gave that, those insecure really downtrodden men he gave them a legitimacy to their woes and that's the thing that's annoying when you listen to yeah. Fred and fit for a little while so you guys are chatting so much shit but they have a huge platform and it's, it's annoying that there are so many men out there that think that he was speaking sense because in the real world outside of social media i just don't think that people re respond to each other in those ways i don't think we talk to each other like that it's like such an internet debate world that some men occupy and it's not helping you. You're never going to get a girl. Do you, know, do you know what I think maybe where he might have been in a broken clock type situation was the fact that was what the, I've seen guys like Kevin Samuels told me to fix up and look at my health and be and fix up my appearance. And I definitely, when I, a friend of mine's brother passed away and we were at his nine nights, definitely looking at the guys from the, from the hood that we grew up with who are in their 40s now as women more of us look good than the guys who back in the day we were fangirling over we were like we would have like we would have died if they chirped us we would have died to be their girlfriend we would have died if they paid us any attention but yet coming and it's literally specifically especially when you when it's our someone in our generation who passes away yeah. for whatever reason when you're in that group and you're looking at the mandem, yeah, they're not looking tough. They're not looking the way that you remember. And I've seen a bunch of them are like, that guy was the one that we were all like yeah. only. And now yeah. 
he looks haunched. He looks ill. He's in old school dressing. He's, he doesn't look together. Yeah. But and the I thing think, is, I think what people can also take away from Kevin Samuels is just to look at your health in general, because it isn't necessarily about your aesthetic, because aesthetically, you could say that he ticked all of those boxes and was well presented. He looked healthy. He spoke about being healthy. But us as black people know that we suffer from very you know, many ailments like high blood pressure and heart disease is rampant within our community. And if this is going to teach black men anything, it should teach them to get your fucking ass to the doctor and check yourself out. Because looking good outside doesn't mean you look good inside. Big facts. It's so funny that I've actually commented on that phenomena that you were just talking about, Akira, in terms of seeing people that you've grown up with and then seeing them like now, some of them seeing them now. And in terms of guys, I always think that they look a bit more just world weary than their female counterparts. I've actually noticed that, and I've, it's something that I've spoken at least to one of my brothers about as to what that is, what's the cause of that. And so, yeah, I think that's right. And I also think that whether you believe, right, in, if you believe in karma, just going back to people talking about, oh, don't speak ill of the dead, like it's all wrapped up in this whole thing, like it's bad karma. But if that's right, then that message should have been being said towards him speaking ill of people who were alive. You would have thought we would have heard that over and over. So, in fact, I just feel like it, it's not really that. It's not really about respect. It's still that kind of control from that same audience, the kind of audience that would like his messaging. I feel like it's still that kind of control that they want to have over people, over women, if I'm going to be frank. So I feel like it's like partly based on that. I think you're right. One of the tweets that I saw, um, it said, I wonder how black women would feel if people were glad Martin Luther King died before freeing us. Celebrating Kevin Samuel's death is the same as celebrating MLK's death. I guess we're going black to savory. Thank you, black women. Huh? Martin Luther King freed us. Are you joking me? I've seen a few of these kind of tweets where people are, you know, putting him up there with the same sort of people. It's just, okay then. I mean, I need to find a hustle because this dude, like, literally, he tacked in. And it annoys me because it's really easy, isn't it? I was really thinking about it the other day, just how easy it is to berate Black women specifically, but women in general anyway, because we get criticised quite a lot from early, from family, society. It's really, and we can take it on because we're used to it. And when people always say, why are the women calling up? I was, like, labouring that point. Why are the women calling up? But we're used to being criticised and criticised negatively. And then I was thinking of just how my mum would react. And my mum's a good mother, but how she would treat her daughters different to her sons. There's always more of a, you should do this, you should do that, than for her boys. And it is a bit like, we're used to that. We really can take it on. People saying, this is what you should do. You should be better at this. You should be better at that. I could see how some people can get addicted to being told what to do. And he would do that. He would school a woman, go through it, 
really be belittling her and you would from the outside be like why is she listening but she's probably heard that all her life from various people so she's used to it and that's all he clocked onto was black women will take shit and it's going to be entertaining to other people insecure men are going to feel validated because i'm going to say what they've always wanted to say to women and i'm going to be raking it in he totally changed his model to fit this because it was lucrative and it pisses me off really that men can't see that as well like, actually you just need to fix your life it's not putting blame on women it's not it, it, you too as they say like the fingers thing like there's more fingers pointing back at you when you point a finger at somebody else so he just cashed in on that and it's just the martyrdom of oh he was speaking truth for who it's, it's it's not true you're all still single you're all still chasing skirt and look at your hero he died on top of a woman that he met 24 hours before like really and and a woman who was apparently like you said overweight from the weight that he said was the ideal weight and a woman who was racialized as non-black so just again and in 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 an apartment which he didn't own yeah and one doesn't know how much he was actually financially worth in that death when all he used to talk about was who was high value from who wasn't high value it's irony about and some people might say that that was actually quite a karmic exit so it's true, it's true. let's get the comments let's get the comments there's a lot of them okay all right i'm gonna read a few of these guys i can't go through all of them i will try that okay so t smith says it was tragic for those women whom he berated. Words can kill. Some of these women may have low self-esteem issues and his words could well easily lead to their demise. I do not pity the guy. Um, Natasha says absolute madness. And T. Smith also says there is speculation that the nurse killed him. I've, I've read that as well. Um, also, she says true at she talks. She says he was qualified, self-proclaimed as an image consultant and a relationship coach. The circumstances surrounding his death is irony on top of irony. I don't mourn or celebrate it. Um, Rach Sweetness says apparently the woman was a prostitute. And Candy says I didn't appreciate Kevin Samuel's existence, but I appreciated his work in quotation marks, helping us to identify men like him so we can steer clear of them. <laughs> and You Ronald had me says, in the first half. <laughs> <laughs> Ronald says, I'm not sure that Kevin Samuels was really that influential. Most of the guys that I know had heard of him that they had never actually heard, of, heard him. When I told them that he was dead, I had to remind most of them who he was. And we have to remind ourselves that sometimes in the echo chamber of social media, you can think someone is bigger than they are. However, his, his death did reach all the major news platforms that were looking for. He, his death did make it, but everything's clickbait, everything's headlines, everything's content. So that's another reason why he would have reached that. But his power and influence, who knows? We'll see in a couple of years who else takes it. All right, we've spent a bit of time with that. So we've got the abortion bill. We've got the 12-year-old who was hit by a white woman. We've got protesting against the Queen's speech. You could actually get arrested. We've got SPAC Nation. No, on. you're reading it wrong. It's not protesting against the Queen, Queen's speech. It's in the Queen's speech. Oh, right. So my bad. Right. 
New laws against protesting brought out in the Queen's speech. A Queen's speech has mentioned it. Sorry. Um, SPAC Nation, our favourite religious group, have um, been hosting free brunches for young girls. And our Miss Our Fabulous was hospitalised due to inhaling laughing gas through balloons. I don't know. They're all good. I can't think. I want to describe balloons because I've had young people in my... I have the judgment that when I see people doing balloons. So okay. let's go with Our Fabulous. Let's talk about it. All right. So why this stood out for me is because I have done it before. It was a long time ago. I didn't realise that it had become as trendy and as popular as it is. Although I do see the like the silver canisters around the place all the time now, but I, I just it hadn't clocked to me. And I didn't. I also didn't know they were dangerous. So I did balloons many moons ago in at Glastonbury and a few other festivals. They were about. It was like a festival thing. So it was just out and about, I did it, I was fine, had a little high, wasn't like anything to write home about, it was just a little, just get a bit high. So watching her, I was really surprised because it's like she, she went through everything that happened to her. She did a balloon at home with her sister and her, and her sister's friend. And then she had been doing balloons socially for a little while. And basically, because of the lack of oxygen that the balloon inhalation does, it had affected her over time and then her appendix ruptured. So in the night, she is totally in pain. She was calling out, no, everybody's asleep. This is firmly in the night. So then she calls up her sister's friend who happened to still be awake, gets rushed to hospital, goes through a series of scans and they're like, it's one thing you've had an allergic reaction to the balloon gas, the, the laughing gas, but also your appendix had erupted and so she had to have an operation to remove it. And I, and then as she's talking about that, there was another person on the same ward as her came in, similar thing with balloons, paralyzed down one side. The nurse was telling her a week before somebody else came in and they didn't make it. They couldn't, their organs started shutting down from the lack of oxygen. And so she was on live just telling people like you, you think it's fun, but you don't know how compromised your immune system is and how your body is going to react to lack of oxygen and how that affects your various organs. So really, I just wanted to bring it to everybody's attention because I did not know. When you think of laughing gas, it literally is like laughing gas in it. It's just, you know, what you have when you go to the dentist. So... I was just a bit like, have any of you done it? Did you know that it was dangerous? Like, let's just talk about it. I did, I, the only experience I have with laughing gas is when I was in labor, I think I took two pulls of it because it's the same gas they give you when you're in labor. I took two pulls of it and I was like, this is shit, I don't want it. And I didn't do anything else. I'll be honest, I look at people that take balloons like I would that people that sniff glue back in the day. To me, it just seems so tacky. It's, and I'm not saying that any drug is glamorous. I'm not out here saying that shit. But balloon taking to me just seems proper tacky. Like when you're in carnival or a festival and you've got like these big fucking grown ass people and they're <sighs> sucking on a balloon. I'm just like, look at you. Look at, as my grandma said, look at you. I don't like it. it. I just feel like, no. And I hate driving in places and you just see like loads of the canisters around. One of my goddaughters, who will remain nameless, I caught her one carnival. 
with a balloon and like my first instinct was I just boxed it out of her hand and all her friends scattered like cockroaches because I took uh, I just feel like I don't know I don't I, I, <laughs> I just don't like them I think I feel like if I caught her smoking a spliff I would have been all right with that but this balloon sucking inhaling thing to me and I think I know I knew that it was slightly dangerous in kind of that respect not as dangerous as you've just pointed out but I think I knew that the combination of doing that and drinking and doing other things is not great. Like it's so I just I don't know. I just don't like it. I've never I'm a balloon snob, I would say. I, no. Do you know what? I never knew it was that dangerous. I've seen you guys. I've seen the silver canisters. You go to certain festivals and it's being done. And I really didn't know it was that dangerous. And I think that's maybe even part of the danger of it, that it seems like a non-dangerous drug. And also, I know that loads of young people do it, which is why this is actually, this news is actually quite concerning. I did, This passed me by. I didn't see or hear about this but it's actually quite concerning because I know like young people do it and I think young people also do it again because it's seen as the not so dangerous drug it certainly doesn't in in one's mind it doesn't even come close to things like ecstasy or cocaine or even maybe cannabis it doesn't you just think of it as especially if you say that it's oh it's laughing gas it's the same thing that they use in hospitals like, they're not going to think, oh, my God, that's really dangerous. I don't know. My view, my, the, my main thing is I feel like people should know more about the dangers because I, like, personally, I didn't know. I didn't know it was that dangerous. Yeah. I, I, I just, similarly, Santi Farah, I just, trash. I think it looks trash. It's such a, I, I think it's the most stupidest thing to do because it's two seconds. You're literally high for two seconds. But I guess, but then maybe I'm being... Because when we, whenever we sort of get a helium balloon, the first thing all of us would do, what I'm saying, us in, you know, paraphrasing, you bust it and take it to start talking funny. But I never bust a helium balloon to get high. So people might say I'm being a hypocrite because that would be an easy go-to, catch-to joke. And do the voice and then you're done. But to just suck on a balloon, and I just think it looks like you're huffing, like you're doing a, like glue and stuff. And it's, what is that? Why? And... I hate that it's taken over. And I, I met, I was at an, I was at, we were at a friend's party and I heard someone talking about it. And they're our age. They're in their forties. And you're like, yeah, oh, we're going out. We've got to get some balloons. I was like, are you all in my mind? I was like, oh my God, how dare you? Like, that's disgusting. Like, how, no one in my immediate circle that in my immediate medical circle, I know friends who do it. I know it's just a quick high. I get it. But not in my immediate circle, because I would be misjudging, judging. You wouldn't like it. I'll be annoying. I'll be moany. And I'll be like, don't fucking do that around me. My daughter said, I, my daughter, I don't talk on her, but she's around young people who do it. And she's, yeah, mum, it's, it's not cool. It's, it's so nonsense. And she's a nurse. And I have to, I guess, I can't speak about her experiences properly, but I can say that she has said there's a wave of young people going through A&E and going through the pediatric wards with devastating results as a result. She said, there's a thing called smart wit, which I think our fabulous potentially That's said the she was doing. The stronger, smart. it's like a quicker high. It's a, and it's a, yeah. if, if, if balloons give you 10 seconds of high, smart wit gives you maybe a three minutes of high. And it's the yeah. same effect, but it's in a canister, like one spray, whatever, however you take it, it's a bit of a longer buzz, but it's more dangerous because you can, Apparently the canisters are quite cold. You can get that cold freeze and have your skin stuck to it. They explode. I know that there's some kids that have come through the hospital and have had it exploded on them. Fence, facial burns, internal burns, 
things like that. So I do understand how people think this is a minor. And I think festivals and stuff are kind of blind eye to it because it does seem like you can get it in. And it's, yeah, hey, get your happy high, your quick high. So the laughing gas rhetoric has just been made it a lot more acceptable than some of the harder, in quotes, harder drugs, which actually some of the harder drugs, if you get the natural strain, it's probably much more better for you than the quick high that you're getting from these manufactured um, canisters and stuff like that. I, it is about having more education, more information. I wish our fabulous all the speedy um, recovery, but I, it is a lot. The problem with this country, and I think Auntie Nana, we had a show, just I'm saying your name because you, you spoke from the perspective of psychedelics and understanding psychedelic drugs and how the misinformation about drugs and what we've, they've become criminalized and, and immediately drugs are bad. However, there are some drugs that are, if you take them, they're naturally enhancing and can take you to a higher realm that can get you into a very creative, expressive space if you're in control understand what you're taking and why you're taking it and how you're using it for what reasons but all the misinformation and the criminalization of drugs makes it one appealing to people because they think they're rebelling but also then it means they're misinformation they're going for the stuff that they think is good and actually getting it all wrong and actually if we had better information maybe decriminalize drugs and have better information about what is good for you and how you can use them accordingly that would be better for our people, especially young people. But it's not just young people doing balloons, so it's for everybody. Yeah, I, I, think definitely, I definitely agree that the war on drugs has failed. But yeah, more to speak more to your point, it's actually done worse than just generally failing. It's created a whole kind of vacuum of lack of information about drugs and, like you said, psychedelics, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And it's also just led to really poor kind of outcomes for people who have been consistently criminalized for example for having or using so-called softer drugs like cannabis and things like that so I definitely agree with those points I think the main thing I, 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 I don't know that I'm a proponent of saying decriminalize all drugs although there are definitely reasons for that and if you were to ask me to make the argument I could but I definitely agree with like at putting out more information about drugs especially for young people but also for old heads like myself because <laughs> I didn't know that I didn't know about this whole stronger version of do you know what I mean that whatever you've called it that sounds wild to me internal burns like immediately no I think the problem is a lot of things that are deemed in inverted commas legal are often worse for you than if you were to go like Billy Spliff or something like that. Like, how easy is it for you to get canisters? Like, fucking super easy. You can order them on Amazon. They can be there the same day if you want them to be. What are the regulations behind that? I think those are the things that need to be looked into. And most definitely information needs to be out there. This happening to this young girl that that needs to be wider spread just just like when ecstasy all these incidents of people dying and having these horrible reactions to ecstasy that was actually widespread out there in the news and the press and people learned more about what was going on with that it, the same thing needs to be happening in, in terms of balloons this has been going on for years it isn't something new and i bet if you were to look into it there are a lot of cases where people have had extreme reactions to taking balloons i remember a line from mostack that he's in a in a song that he did with aj tracy aj tracy says real men don't do balloons and then mostack says well i guess i'm fake when you got young people listening to these types of things and man them are saying man does balloons and making it seem like it's all right to do balloons 
them things aren't looked at. Whereas if he was to say, I do ease or I, I build enough zoots, that kind of thing gets nipped out on the radio where he can say balloons and it doesn't get taken out on the radio. So people just need to look at what's going on. All righty. Yeah. Let's go with um, the 12 year old who was hit by a white woman. I tell you that's your story as well. Okay. Yeah. Uh, hopefully everybody has seen this. Basically, there was a boy, I think it was in Bristol. I'm going to open it up. His name is Antoine Flores. He was out with his friends. They were playing by a, a kind of little lake that's really popular. They happen to be, so it started off with, they were throwing stones and now it's graduated to, they were actually playing with mud. And I think they may have been like, like throwing it into the water. There was a woman who was on a paddle boat. She seemed to take offense at it. Maybe something hit her, maybe the mud or a stone, but she got out of the paddle boat and proceeded to hit. She says she pushed and the paddle boat hit the boy but I believe that she probably did hit him on his head and he has a massive gash, he was bleeding. Then we see a video of her going up to the other kids that were there, shouting at them and proceeds to walk away and walk past the boy that she just hit who has a lot of blood. And she doesn't seem scared. She's walking away quite succinctly to wherever she's gonna go. Came to our attention because the police got back in touch with the family and said that they weren't going to pursue the case any further because they didn't think that there would be any, I can't think of the word at the moment. But they, they, they didn't they think didn't, that there was maybe a likelihood of conviction. That's the one. Something yeah, like that, or maybe it wasn't in the conviction. public interest. Exactly. And, and then we all went mad over the internet over this and it went viral and lots of people were going at it and Auntie Farah even shared with us a petition that was out there. And lo and behold, it was like maybe two days later, the case is reopened. I really wanted to find out from you guys, like, why does it always take a, a media outrage for, it seems, for our kids to actually be taken seriously in when something has happened to them? And also, like, just from you, Cheryl, but as you are a lawyer, just if you can give us more insight into the law side of it were the police justified in actually closing the case in the first place? To be honest, I was, when I heard about it, I was surprised that the police had closed the case or, or had investigated and decided that they weren't going to take any further action on the case because I had heard that their conclusion was that because she had said she had raised the issue of self-defence so that she was saying that she had been under attack and then had been defending herself. I was surprised that was a reason to conclude or, or not to go further with it for whether they felt that there was a, not a likelihood of a reasonable prospect of success of conviction or whether they thought it was in the public interest, not in the public interest rather. Because I can think of countless cases of assault whereby somebody is allegedly assaulted and another person will say, I was acting in self-defense. And that is classic. That is a prime jury issue or a magistrate issue, depending on the level of the assault that's charged. So it concerned me because I heard the news about self-defense at the same time as viewing this camera footage which showed this person who said that they had been defending themselves as you said going up 
to these young boys and like shouting and not appearing to be under attack at all, let alone being in fear of an attack and also having seen the level of injury because it wasn't a minor assault to have a gash in your head that has taken some level of force and it's an injury to the head and it's going to leave a facial scar. All of those matters are very serious when one comes to consider assaults and stuff like that. So it concerned me a lot that the case wasn't being taken any further. And I'm pleased that the case has been reopened. But you asked the question, why has it taken a media storm? And then you think about the young person being a young person and also being a black boy or, or a boy of mixed heritage. And all of those factors, I'm afraid, to me, seem to have informed the, the decision-making. Alongside the fact that the victim is a white woman, and this might not be the platform to talk about white female victimhood, but when you add in those factors, I think it, I think it tells its own story. And people will say, oh, it's not about race, it's not about race, it's not about race. But it's difficult. It's difficult for me to conclude that looking at and reading and understanding the circumstances as I do, and I confess only from the media reporting of it, it's difficult to come to any other conclusion. And it's I'm actually glad for social media in times like that and times like this, but it tells its own story. It doesn't it? Like, why did it take that? Because that's what it takes. Because they don't respect maybe young people's voices, black boys' voices. They prioritise perhaps white female victimhood. There's so many, there's so many ways that you can look at it. And it's, it, it would have to be for them. It would have to be actually for the police to, and that would be interesting for them to, like in, in maths exams of the past, show you're working out. <laughs> Don't just give me an answer. Show you're working out. How did you get here? That's what I would like to see. Because some of these issues are rooted in societal issues. And I've just given three examples of them in terms of like age, race, etc. Who is seen as a victim often and who isn't. So... Yeah, that's my view on it. It must have been deeply distressing, I think, for the young boy. And also, one thing, when I heard the case was closed, the thing that really, yeah, I'll go as far as to say upset me, because I have a, I have a similar experience. I have a facial scar, actually, on my neck and below my face. And the way in which that was caused, nobody was held accountable for it. Let me put it like that. Nobody was held accountable for it. And so the, the thing that I thought about for that boy was him every day because you can see the scar you can see how deep it is on his forehead that's definitely the, the injury rather that's definitely gonna scar and I just thought about him in his in his young life already being taught that kind of a lesson that mm. this can happen to me that I can be injured that people in authority can be told about it and nothing will be done about it and I felt like that was going to be a really heavy bag for that young boy to carry. And as I said, just basing it on personal experience, that made me feel upset for him. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I just want to talk about a couple of things that you've highlighted there. First thing first, 
how it made the young boy feel. His father has come out and said that it's re- it's he's scared and he's upset and they're upset that nothing is being done. And obviously they have to keep reassuring him. But what is this teaching him? It's teaching him that these sort of things can happen to somebody like him and there'll be no repercussions. It's very interesting that you also mentioned about the reasons why she's believed over him. I just want to highlight something that I mentioned a couple of, maybe about a couple of years ago about a case of a woman in Wales. So there's a woman by the name of Sianda. I always get her name wrong, can't pronounce it. But it's a Welsh woman. And when she was about 20, she was in a caravan park with her boyfriend and she was attacked. She was racially attacked and she defended herself. The police were called at the time and she told them what had happened to her. And subsequently she was arrested and then she was later on jailed. Not believing, that they didn't believe that she was the victim. They believed that she was the perpetrator and she was then jailed. She's still currently in jail and people are trying to free her. There's protests going on. Exactly. So my my point is that it goes back to that adultification of black people, of black young people, as well as us being seen as it's all right that we can take it and us being seen as that we can't possibly be the victim. Even if you're a child, you can't possibly be the victim. You have to be the perpetrator. This woman who attacked this young boy came out and said that she felt in fear of her life. This is, I might be paraphrasing, but she felt that there was a danger to her. So she felt the need to strike out to protect herself. The video evidence shows that she did not feel like she was in danger. She has admitted to the crime, yet for all, she's not being punished even and even slightly. She should at least, for the very least, be done for ABH or something because she's admitted that she's done this. This is a child that she did this to. I have to give all respect to his parents because let me say this on record. The day that I hear that, God forbid, someone has done something to my child, the outcome will be different. I am telling you now, that woman's taken licks from me. Most definitely. Right or wrong, she's taken licks from me. Because you cannot physically scar my child for life. And not even like the external scars that he's now facing. It's it's, it's the emotional scars that he's also facing. His parents have got to work through that. And she's just at home, chilling, going about her business, unaffected. Yeah, I just, I, I despair at this, the state that we're in legally in terms of us as victims. It just upsets me i would move on to the next one thank you auntie farah which one do you want to go for out of your ones the queen speech or spack i don't know enough about the spack nation thing i just saw a little thing on twitter and it was like spack nation are basically out there (laughs) trying to get girls between the ages of 13 and 16 offering them free brunches and i was just like how is this organization still able to run and do these sorts of things and like not be held accountable i'm just I'm so confused and I just really wanted to find out if any of you had heard about it and get your thoughts. I'd I'd heard about that. I almost echo what you just said about being a parent, if you were the parent of that young boy, because if I were the parent of a young teen, just regardless of gender, and someone was in their inbox DMing them about let's meet up for brunch, and then I saw one message And then the person was saying, oh, I'm only 14. Am I still able to come? And the message coming back from this woman that's in SPAC Nation, I'm presuming, was, yeah, the younger, the better. Ah. (laughs) Man. That is when I'm finna pull up. (laughs) What? 
what are you telling me? What brunch? You are, are you people age mates? What kind of brunch? <laughs> no, seriously, what kind of filthy brunch, please? I don't understand. I I don't understand why they're still around. I do understand because the people are they're desperate to have something to believe in. I understand religion is a powerful thing within our community. And I understand that there's a bunch of children that have grown up in a church who need something to cling on to through brainwash or through belief, whatever the case is or positioning that they have. But I just don't understand how Spat Nation has been able to evolve because they've spun it. I was trying to find the name. I, I didn't know this story was going to come up because I saw an article of something the other day. They remixed and they call themselves something, rebranded as something else. I, can't called, remember. I think it's called The Nation or something. So but they re-spelt nation. So it's like, but I think it literally is. The <laughs> Not the nation. But the A is now an X. People do that with like letters that they don't, can't get. Like they just put an X there. So I'm sure they are called the nation now. Even on Twitter, I think it's the nation. So this is why I don't understand. I don't know if it is because it's a black thing that people, that the authorities on, in the UK especially, I get, I, and I suppose again, maybe speaking to you, Auntie Cheryl, what the what I've discovered in my life, especially from a certain situation that I've in, it is actually harder than I thought to prove criminal intent. And I think we're very misguided by the TV. We definitely think we can walk into court and say, Your Honor, this is what's happened. And then <laughs> literally the person's going to jail and yes. that's it done dusted. I never knew the ins and outs and how hard it is to prove especially in the situation that I'm going through, that somebody is scamming or defrauding and are taking advantage for financial gain. So, I, I and again, I have to say allegedly because I have no idea the real machinations of SPAC Nation, but I'm not dumb. And from what I can see, there is nothing in Bible scripture that you can justify telling me that materi materialism is the way to God the truth, the light. It's not, and I'm not even religious. Ask me to quote Bible quotes. I could just about possibly recite Psalm 23, Psalm 23. But see, I can't even say it. I said Palm, I couldn't even say Psalm. <laughs> so that's not me, I'm not. To my mum's Sharon, I'm not that chick. However, I know for sure, advocating materialism and wealth and Versace designer and supercar and mansion is not, the way to a fruitful, soul-fulfilled life. Aspir aspiring to be a money man or a money woman and putting your face and wealth into designer is not the way forward. It is not. What offending in Fendi. And, Bro. and when Fendi tried to sue him, he got away with it. Like it's, he, I don't know what God he is dealing with, but this one on this plane seems to be working in his favor because he has so many layers. It's basically a pyramid scheme. So they don't ever get to Pastor Toby because there are so many people in the layering of it that he can just be like, oh, that was that wayward person that was trying to get money from this layer of people. So these girls, and I went, thoroughly went down the rabbit hole and saw lots of messages that they were sending, lots of posts that they had on TikTok, and it's all very glamorous and also quite inspirational sometimes when they hit the note so there is a cosign from adults because you're thinking oh my teenager is getting with these women who are going to show them how to be about business are going to show them about christianity are forging a sisterhood a society 
and they are going to be looked after. And then they use different names. So you don't necessarily know it's Pac Nation until afterwards. So there's lots of other girls that were like, I went to it, thought it was going to be great, realized it's Pac Nation. They're talking about you can live in this house. And, and it's just, to me, it just it's just people trafficking. There's no way around it. It's you're trying to get young girls into some type of prostitution, such something, you're luring them in very young. And like we spoke about a couple of weeks ago when I was saying the grooming is so real and these guys are about that because where is his wealth from? It's not just donations. Like he's, he's having money coming into his pot from somewhere else other than just people taking out student loans. Honestly, more, this, there, there are, it's like you said, there are layers to this. Yeah. And I understand the appeal and the yeah. law, but I understand it because I'm in my 40s. But as a young person, and that's probably what's just, that's the creepy thing about it, because they are appealing. Because how come they don't want me to be in, in life with Christ? <laughs> how come they're not appealing to, to, to me? <laughs> Why are they going after these young people? There's a reason for that, because they're malleable, because they're naive, because they don't know as much. So all of that, that, that show of materialism is done on purpose and it's actually really, yes, grimy. It's properly grimy and I just feel as though even the fact of not trying to come through the parents because if this is real and if this is true and this is all above board and just like Jesus said, you can't get to the father unless through me or something along those lines. You can't get to my child. Unless through me, how, how can you message my child, a school age child, to be asking them, oh, do you want to, do you want to come? What, what autonomy do they have? You need to come to me, their parent. And it, this is how you start. And, and this is the, the beginning stages of grooming. So you use exactly the right words. And I feel as though it's not until one of those young people does something devastating to either themselves or another person. And when I say devastating, I'm thinking more along the lines of like violence or something like that. So if they act out in that way, that it will then hit the news. But when it's young people and they're just being financially abused in that sense, nobody wants to know. A friend of mine, I was speaking to a friend of mine today about somebody who had made a disclosure, a young person, who had made a disclosure of sexual assault, what amounts to quite a serious sexual assault, and made no less serious by the fact that, as I said, she's a young person. And unfortunately, although statements were taken from her, etc., etc., the police have decided that, again, they don't have enough. They are deciding not to pursue a prosecution, right? Either the police or the CPS have decided not to pursue a prosecution. And again, it is like a part of what I was thinking about what might happen with that young boy, because it's when that person then, when that victim then goes out and does something wild, that people will sit up and take notice and be like, oh my God, like what's going on? 
But now when it's obvious and it's the cry for help and people are being abused and people are being sucked in and stuff like that, no one's doing anything. I Like, I, I too, I can't understand how SPAC Nation have managed to rebrand. After that documentary that I saw, I, it's, it's astounding. It's actually astounding. I don't think it's God working for them, but I do think that it is just... It's just fraud. It's just knowledgeable fraud and doing things in a really deceitful and deceptive way. And unfortunately, that often slips through many nets. Yeah. An investigation was called for in 2020 by the Croydon MP Steve Reid, the Labour Croydon MP Steve Reid at the time. I don't know if he's still there. But I just don't, like, where did that go? There was a documentary. There's been called for an investigation. They're saying it's like a cult. They're saying there's thousands of young people who are potentially at risk. But what's the outcome? And is there no outcome because of their shade? I feel like if this was something else targeted at other people, it would have got somewhere by now. But it's okay because it's us, isn't it? I, I, and again, it's that thing about who who are seen as victims in our society and it comes back to that again young people we demand so much from young people and i say that from a criminal justice point of view we demand such intellectual rigor from young people because if not if it's not exercised they can quite easily be punished in our system for things that they do but yet there's this failure to sometimes hold adults to the same standard who are dealing with these young people. But also in holding young people to this intellectual rigour, it's almost as though we are forgetting that they are children and that they are very vulnerable. So vulnerable. And we just leave them to their own devices. And to me, that's so sad and it causes me much angst trust me in my job when I see how young people are just their youth and everything that their youth like what it means to be young from brain development from responsibility from understanding and all of that how all of that can just be ignored in our systems it just goes ignored until something goes wrong I think we must move on but I just wanted to say, I think that's the the clever layering, as Auntie Nana said, the pyramid scheme of it all, where you'll never get to the kingpin at the top. He has the people in place. So whenever the shit hits the fan, that stack, that row of the pyramid just drops and it just goes down. So you lose that bottom rung and then the next layer becomes the bottom rung because that's where you have the Mariam Mbulas and now the new girl is, what's her name, Casio, whoever the new person is, placing her. There's Zainab, sorry, my bad. Zainab Kabir is now the one that's marrying the young girls. So they have the pawns in place who are the easy fall guys. Because where's Mariam now? Pastor Toby is still out there. And apparently when it all when that documentary came out and the shit hit the fan, everything was focused on her. He's absconded to Nigeria back home. And that's it. He's now remixed himself, is protected in his space. And she I don't know where she is. I don't know if she's okay. And she's actually, up again. She's doing some other type of mentoring scheme. Like she's still on Insta and she's still as a business, like nothing truly happened to her. But I I have a friend who got involved with that and Pastor Toby was like the mediator, like literally was was coming in to be like, oh, you can speak to me. I'm gonna sort it out. I'm gonna get the money. Still no money. Like it's, it's actually disgusting, but 
I really hope sooner rather than later it all collapses. But really, it is like it's all of those young people's lives, exactly as you were saying, Cheryl. It's all of those young people who, when they mature and come out of it and then look back and really see how they're used, how are we going to help those adults adjust? Because they've been abused and were let down and just... It's really hard when you're involved in religion as well, it like binds you to a system that you think is gonna look after you, but then you're being abused. It's, oh, it's absolutely disgusting. And I don't think it's, it is because it's black kids. There's, there's no ifs or buts about it. It's okay, it's black kids that are going through this. The more, it's, it's insufferable. And I wish more people would clue up and not get caught into, but they're Christians. like literally you're being abused they're just using this system to abuse kids that's all it is and for financial gain that <laughs> you're on mute oh we must move on i just want to keep saying roe v wade roe v wade um, um now it's time to get into Auntie's getting your business. Auntie's getting your business. Auntie's getting your business. Cheryl, no, did you like this song, Auntie Cheryl? This is where I apologize for their lack of singing talents. I need to get a drum to add into that. Maybe it might like, drum out the sound of you not singing. <laughs> if I have a drum, <laughs> Auntie Cheryl, please. It's your time now. We're going to get into your full business. Auntie Faro, take it away. Auntie Cheryl, introduce yourself and tell us what you do and describe your life right now in a one-word sentence. In a one-word sentence. In one word or a sentence, sorry. Okay, my name's Cheryl, Cheryl Mosu. I'm a lawyer, a barrister. And actually, can I just say, can I just say, so I went to this called Retreating Whilst Black. It was at Soho House. And we, the very first exercise or one of the very first exercises that we did on the day was to define ourselves and introduce ourselves. It, you know, we had this big discussion about not defining yourself by your, by your employment or do you know what I mean? So actually I want to start again because that is probably, I think anyway, the, like, the least of me, what I do for a living. So my name's Cheryl. And I, a deeply passionate African woman, passionate about all things black and diasporic, and I love music. I am currently, I will bring this in because it's relevant. I'm currently chair of an organization called the Black Music Coalition. And I juggle that with my other things that I do, which include law, communication coaching, and strategic direction for people who are in entertainment or music, really. Okay, so to describe my life in one word, black. I tell people I live a very black lifestyle, right? So I love it. I love it. No, it's like it's, it's it's actually big facts because I I lean into my blackness in all areas of my life because that's 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 my support that's that's where I get so much of me from. Even I'm Nigerian, and although maybe in Nigeria I wouldn't define myself as black here, I am politicized and indeed described as black. So let's just go with that. But 
yeah, I, I lean heavily into my cultures, my Nigerian culture, my black culture here in the UK from everything that I take in and everything that comes from me. So yeah, that's going to be my words. It's going to be black. Thank you very much. I absolutely love that. was like one of the best answers I think we've ever had. You actually did it. You have become the lawyer that all of our parents truly wanted us to be. And you've taken it far and you literally are at the top echelons of your field. Was it drummed into you or did you naturally decide that you wanted to be a lawyer? Yeah, no, I definitely decided that I wanted to be a lawyer because I remember, so there are two things. I remember being in primary school and I remember my head teacher at the time coming into, I think it was a classroom or it could have been the hall for assembly, but I just remember him I don't know if he was addressing me, but I was somebody who would always speak out. So I may just have just have responded. But the question was, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, either a lawyer or a hairdresser. So I remember that. And so that it must have been in my mind. But then also I remember when I was I came to choose my A-levels. And my dad was like, eh, now you must do chemistry, biology and physics. So when I heard those, I was, and this is, this is, this is like a big moment for me because my dad would have, yes, now let him make make decisions. For what? That's my dad now, for sure. So I, he, when he said that, I was like, what, why would you do that to me? He said, because you're going to be a doctor. And I was like, I was so shocked. I was like, me, daddy, that doesn't like blood. Like, how is this going to work? And he was like, and so then I remember saying, I'm going to be a lawyer. And of course, what what he's not going to say anything to that. I'm sure he was jubilating inside. It could even have been a double bluff. Now I'm thinking about it. That could have been a double bluff, right? To make me choose or make me state that's what I wanted to do. So it was definitely something that I wanted to, yeah, I wanted to do and I wanted to pursue. And yeah, so I, I, I just did. I have a big question to this like are you the cousin that every auntie and uncle refers to look at look at Cheryl she's a lawyer what are you doing with your life I don't know I don't know because in if if we're going to be real about it in other areas they might be like where's your husband (laughs) you understand what I mean so there's that I don't know I don't know and I have all of my cousins, certainly what some of my cousins in Nigeria have been called to bar. Like one of my cousins recently is called to bar, saw her picture. I was like, oh, wonderful. So people are doing their thing. My cousin's here doing their things. Yeah, perhaps not. I hope not. I don't want to be held up like that because, as I said, that's the least of me as well. Like the people who know me, <laughs> some of my friends will even be like, they say to me, like, I'm thinking of one, one of my friends in particular, are you even really a lawyer? Because you're so ditzy. Are you sure you're not admin assistant in that chamber? So that's just like, you know what? I can't lie. I have several, my smart moments punctuate the ditzy moments, not the other way around. So yeah, I don't know. I hope I'm not, I hope I'm not lauded as, in that sense, as the comparable success. Because yeah, like I said, that I hope is not, that's not the lead of me. Okay, Aunt Cheryl, I've known you for years and years on end, and, and you've always had a no-nonsense no approach to life. You're not afraid to speak out, speak your mind, 
and say what's on your chest, which is actually commendable because not everyone has that gumption to do that. So were you always, have you always been like that? And who was young Cheryl? Has it been from day one? Don't fuck with Cheryl, you know? Or have it <laughs> something that you evolved and shaped as this is who I'm going to be? Do you know what? I definitely have always been a talker. So my my uh, social handle, She Talks, is an ode to that, is a hint to that. I have always been a talker. And I have always disliked injustice and imbalance. So in any given situation, I would point that out whether it be quietly on the side or just being like, no. And people who schooled with me would definitely say, we didn't know she would be a lawyer. Because <laughs> there were some, there were some passionate moments about things. And yeah, you really couldn't, you, some people... Um, really couldn't tell me much when I was younger. But the thing is, like, one of the things that I hate is so when I'm talking to someone or we might be just debating about something and then someone will say, and to be honest, I keep saying someone, guys, yeah? <laughs> Sometimes guys might say, oh, in court now. As if the fact that I may be putting my point passionately or not agreeing with their point is informed by the fact that I'm a lawyer. And it's the reason why that really grinds my gears is because my personality was always my personality. So it's not that, it's not that. I'm just, I'm, I was taught, my dad encouraged me to speak up. My dad encouraged me to think critically about things. And so that's what I do. And I just, I've been like that since I was young. And so that's what I do. So it's not my job. It's perhaps my personality, in fact, informed the the, the profession that I went into and not my profession, certainly not informing my personality at all. That is, yeah, that that's not it. Yeah, yeah, that, I like... You, obviously, you're a woman like us. You, you speak your mind. You say what you feel, okay? So this is yeah. all... You're quite unap- And if I don't, my face says it for me. <laughs> Again, you're in a room with people who are the same, honey. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, so you've got a podcast, uh, and it's called Two Girls and a Mic. And it's yeah, we're on hiatus people. at the moment, though. But yeah, yeah I mean, plug. you still got the team, man. You still got the yeah. team. It's still there. It's still there. <laughs> yeah, there. But um, my, my, my question to you is that, and I find this difficult as well. And I think all of us do is like juggling work and juggling the person you have to be at work, and that the opinions and all of that sort of thing is. Mm. And sometimes some of the stuff that you talk about is quite controversial. How mm. do you juggle that? How do you remain true to yourself and still be able to be the box in your work environment? You know what it is? I think the ability to be yourself at work, again, for me, and it may be a privileged and fortunate position to be in, but I'm in a line of work that necessitates me speaking and speaking out against imbalance and injustice and so my particular position in this world is that I'm a black woman so with all the politics that comes with and all the talking points that comes with they are actually mirrored through things that I see in my work so I say all that to say that some of the things that I say and I'm dealing with at work 
I see them in society. And so, and my voice is the same about them. And in, in, in the line of work that I do, so in, in terms of the criminal stuff that I do as a criminal barrister, I only defend. So I'm on the side of individuals. So again, that positioning means that it's the same, isn't it? It's lending your, it's lending your voice, advocating on behalf of individuals and people who are up against, in criminal cases, the state. A state will, make, will bring the allegation. We have, yes, you have a victim, but the state brings allegations, the Crown bring allegations against people. And so I just think that my personality fits in with that role, that my personality fits in with being the chair of this Black Music Coalition, which is all about trying to eradicate specifically anti-Black racism within the music industry. So in that space, it, I only need to be myself. I, don't, I actually don't need to conform into anything. And when I offer strategic advice and developmental advice for people and where they're trying to get to and things that they're trying to do, whether it be a, a singular project or whether it be like a longscape project, it's because I, I actually only really do it for clients that I actually really believe in what they say they want to do. So it's, it's very easy for me. If I'm not believing in it, I wouldn't agree to lend my services to it. When I do communication coaching, I love talking. I love the art and the skill of communication. So it all, what I'm trying to say is, I think it all comes from the same hymn sheet. I'm the hymn sheet and it all comes from the same hymn sheet. So it aligns. And it's also a good way, it's a good way for me to discard things for my life and not do things because when they don't align, when I find I'm pushing against the grain of myself or something doesn't sit right with everything that I've tried to craft around me, then sometimes I realise that's not for me. That's not my direction. That's not my calling. So it's, it's actually, I'm not going to say it's easy, but it actually works smoothly just because it all comes from I hope and I try to make it all come from the same place. And I hope that place is a genuine and authentic place. So your podcast, I, I remember it coming about, it was a while ago now, like you yeah. had a podcast before podcasts really exploded and became like super popular. Right? That's before my time. It is, but yeah, you guys were like the pioneers. So what's happening with it now? Is it going to come back and like, what was the genesis for it? Why did you come up with the podcast in the first place? I was talking to... See, my memory is so tish, so I can't remember if these things were actually around the same time. But I know that I was talking to people about wanting to start a podcast because I had done radio before. So I had done talk radio and like I said, it all is it like, it's what I love to do. <laughs> I love it. I remember wanting a podcast, wanting to do a podcast and trying to think about where it would be coming from, what would be the angle, etc. And I used to go to this event that my podcasting partner, Lorraine Russell, Miss Lala, shout out used to do called Bloggers Delight. I used to participate in that as like a speaker, panelist, whatever. And so that's how me and La met each other. 
And I just feel as though maybe the time when I was thinking about a podcast, she started talking to me about doing a podcast. And it feels like, though it was almost like poetic, it was um, supposed to be. I'm sure those, I, well, that's basically how it came about. La spoke about wanting to do it. And I was like, yeah, I'm in. But I had already been wanting to do that. So, yeah, we just did it. We, we didn't even really, well, we did put thought into it, we put thought into the name and we put thought into where, what the angle was going to be. But the angle is always going to be, we're a black woman and we're, we're um, vocal about things. And so we're going to sit down and talk about some stuff. So yeah, that's how it kind of started off. Is it going to come back again? That's a really big question because my diary is just as is Lars, to be honest, right? So she has an event that she does yearly, a fitness event. She's a personal trainer called Noir Fit Fest. And so she is constantly making that event, which happens every September, bigger and better. And she's so she works on that a lot. I am now chairing the coalition. I'm moving up to be more senior in my work. So that comes with um, like just a heavy workload in general. And I've got to keep time to, to, to play as well. But I also have all these other things that I want to do. That is the issue. I have all these other things that I want to do. So even today I was speaking to somebody, I say speaking, we were messaging. And funnily enough, yesterday speaking to someone and then of them saying, you should really do this thing where you talk about like law and stuff. And then I woke up today and I was tweeting and I was like, there's so much law and legal stuff going on around the world. And I, right, I said, I've got work to do. I had a, I had a day out of court today. I've got work to do. I'm supposed to be reading my work. But I'm just like, oh, I'm wonder what, what stage are they at in, in Amber Heard and, and Johnny Depp? And then I'm seeing, like, Young Thug and Gunner arrested in the US. And then I'm hearing about these RICO laws, and I've heard about them before, and I've done, done like, scant reading about it, but I really want to go into it and find out, like, oh, my God, what's really going on, and how does it compare and contrast with, you know, law over here? And I recently wrote an article about, like, rappers and rap lyrics being... Um, used in 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 criminal cases here and there's echoes of that in that case and then I, you're just flicking through the papers and then you see my man that used to be in neighbors is on some defamation trial connected with complaints of sexual misconduct and then roe versus wade being overturned by the supreme court in the u.s there's so much and trust me the legal nerd in me wants to know about it all and then I want to talk about it. Where am I going to do that? That's podcast for me. <laughs> Follow a lawyer who basically does that on YouTube. But she's in America. To... And I've always... Oh, so you need to send me those details because Auntie Sade sent me someone on TikTok and was saying exactly the same thing. So there are all these signs. I want a black woman doing it. So if you can fit that in, and, and the UK perspective on it, because they're generally all American, there's yeah. such a worth to know from a lawyer's point of view, like who knows the law, you know, it's not just us speculating, but a lawyer actually saying, this is the law and this is why this has happened. Oh my God, the views are crazy. The monetization is nuts as well. It's just one under financial, which is the highest monetization. So yeah. 
All I'm saying is, if you want to do it, yeah. right? And you know, the thing is, it's it, the the calling goes back to what I was saying about all coming from the same place. Because in my head, I don't just want to say this is the law. I want to talk about what are the social implications. Like, I'm a hip hop fan, okay? And so I do this thing, right? Sorry to go off on a tangent, but I do this thing where I like, I check in with myself. And especially since that exercise I was talking about when you define yourself and don't do it by your your job or your adjacentness to, to other things. Like, who are you? And I think it was because I waited up for um, the Kendrick Lamar drop. And then I, I looked at myself and I said, yo, you, you love this. You love, you love this. Because I'm, it's on repeat and I'm listening you love this and so then it made me think oh okay that's a bit of you so it's in my head now so I was just saying that because a lot of what I think the, the, the interest for me is not always just because it's law it's like the layers of like law and maybe like music and women's rights and reproductive rights and do you know what I mean? All of that kind of stuff. And just being able to do something which, uh, I'm not saying I'm an expert at it, but I think it doesn't happen enough, which is like joined dots, speak uh, like thoughts. I don't think people understand how to use an example of something that we've already spoken about on this show. I don't think people understand how Kevin Samuels's rhetoric can actually lead to real physical harm against a certain sector of society because there's no it's oh he just you can't just because you just disagree with him if I just disagreed with him it'll be happy days now I don't agree and now that's fine but when he says something like the men ought to be able to practice controlling violence slight violence against their partners to keep them in line and young people hear that message and then they're also to use another thing that's happening with young people in society they're also watching consuming vast amounts of porn right and then how do those two building blocks go into maybe a young man's mind or even a young woman's mind and inform their actions because I'm telling you it does inform their actions in many different ways but when sometimes I just feel like conversations are happening in silos and in different departments and for different reasons and at different levels but whether it be by accident or or by design people are not thinking not only critically but joining up the thinking so that's why people have these mad takes like oh but he he was just his opinion so I want to do a bit of that, but I don't know when. So don't hold me to it. Edit this oh. out. <laughs> no, we will hold you to it. We will no, hold you to it. This. We are definitely, because it makes sense. Also, we're live. There's no editing. <laughs> um, and, and you know what? It's so, because it, it's, it, it's the thing that people need to know the law. Like I said, we'll talk off, we'll talk offline. But if people need to know the law because we, like, you know, in our show, we tend to say allegedly, don't know how strong that allegedly works and for how long and to what extent. And a lot of the stuff, especially with the careers that we get into when we're all kind of creative and in the media and the arts, the different laws that affect the things, it's copyright, this, that, this. There's so much that people don't know. 
and understand your contracts and especially contracts in the music industry. And you are part of the Black Music Coalition, which is hugely political as it was born during lockdown and part of the response to George Floyd's murder and subsequently the Black Square social media campaign that some organizations used to pretend that they were supporting the cause and others use, well, they use it as a stepping stone to find out more. But I definitely remember the Black Music Coalition birth in that moment and being skeptical before I knew who was involved, because I know that you, you can expand on who's involved, but before I knew you guys were involved specifically, though I think I know nearly all of you individually, I was very skeptical of the response, the Black Square response, especially from the music industry, because I think the music industry has done a number on Black people and Black culture specifically. So can you please just expand on what the Black Music Coalition is and the work you hope to achieve with it? Okay, yeah, like I said, the Black Music Coalition, and you're absolutely right, it was the genesis of the Black Music Coalition, really was that moment in 2020, after the murder of George Floyd. And remember that that came off the back of other high-profile killings in America. So Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Aubrey, and all the rest of it. And if I just pause there, some people are like, oh, those are American names that happened in America. When I say that my lifestyle is black and I lean heavily into that, black Americans, they're my cousins as far as I'm concerned, because I understand why they're there, for starters. And we live in a globalised society, so I don't want anyone talking about, oh, that's America. What's that got to do with anything? When you used to hear constantly the special relationship that the UK have with the US. Anyway, I digress. So... Those moments happened and really we were all on lockdown, right? And so we had this obscene thing that we all saw and witnessed on the news cycle and people were working from home. And for many people, many black people, and I take this from the conversations um, that I had with people, one of the, one of the extra layers of trauma of having seen what happened, was the business-as-usual approach from, from their workplaces and sometimes from their white colleagues. And that what that did was cause people, because we needed an outlet, didn't we? It caused people to talk to each other. And that's what was happening within music and within with many people that I know in music, talking to each other about what the hell. And people organised. So there was um, a group of black executives. At this time, I had nothing to do with it. So there were a group of black executives, some of which that I knew, who all came together and created a space for people to talk. So there was a, an initial Zoom meeting where loads of black executives in music came and spoke about the issue, the elephant in the room, anti-black racism, because after all, that, that allowed what happened to George Floyd to happen. And that also allowed people to just ignore black colleagues who'd seen this thing, not understanding how racial trauma actually works. And so after that initial Zoom call, there was more organisation and an open letter to the industry about some of the issues which black execs in particular faced was being drafted. And again, somebody who I know quite well, one of my really, like my, one of my best friends, Shah Grant, who's at 027 Def Jam, she was 
also working on that letter and across that letter, as was Freer Henry Fontaine, who is at Motown UK. And that letter passed by me because to like words and stuff. And Shah asked me to have a look at it. And we had been having conversations anyway about what had been going on, both in her profession and in the legal profession, because there were also ripples of trauma and upset and people vocalising racist incidents that they'd had within the profession. So it was almost like the same things going on, but in different professions. So we were having these conversations as friends. She showed me the letter. I did what I felt was necessary with it in terms of just like structure, edit. If you give me any written document, I do that. So just that kind of input. And that also enhanced our conversations about what was going on in the music space. And Shah knows that I'm very passionate and always have been before any kind of black music coalition and before any kind of me being a black lawyer, always been passionate about black people and about the state that we find ourselves in where we are in the world. Okay, so she knows that about me as a friend and so really just invited me to be involved or even just kept me involved by the conversations that we were having. And then when the organisation became more and more of a, of a thing from a seedling idea to an actual move towards that kind of organisation, and this is happening in a really short space of time, I think there had, there had been some conversations between some black execs. And as I say, I knew some people from the industry. They knew who I was. They knew what I was about. And so I was invited to chair it and it was something that I, I, I did think about it, but it felt like it had synergy with what I wanted to do, with what I was saying, with stuff that I was even doing within my profession at the time, with my inns of court, with my chambers, etc. So I accepted and nearly two years later now, here we are. Just quickly, what, what, what do you hope to achieve? What are the, like, the main goals? Do you know what? We just had, we had a strategy day earlier this year. And when I say we, it was the, the exec committee. So I sit on the exec, the executive committee of the Black Music Coalition. And I sit on that in my capacity as chair, along with Shah Grant, along with Afriye Henry Fontaine, and along with another brilliant black female music exec called Kamali Scott-Jones, who's at Parlophone. And we were talking about our goals and where we are going now having released our manifesto in September 2020, which speaks to our long-term goals, which can be encapsulated in eradicating um, anti-Black racism. So we spoke about how we were going to drive that, which still remains our driver, forward. And then since that moment, I went through this phase where I felt like not enough was happening, not with the organisation, but with the industry, actually, I felt like not enough was happening and I was getting really exercised by it. And I was doing that thing where I put a lot of pressure on myself and I start thinking about my own performance. What am I doing? Is this me? Maybe, I'm, maybe it's me that's not doing enough. Because why haven't I solved this problem? Why haven't I single-handedly yeah. eradicated anti-Black racism? Okay, so then we had, a, we had another meeting and I really just want to get what Kamali Scott-Jones 
I don't know why I keep saying her a surname like that, <laughs> like really out here. But I really want to get what she had said when I had expressed the pressure that I probably put myself under and my angst about what are we doing and are, are we achieving what we set out to do. And she said, and I'm reading it because our fantastic intern then sent out the meeting notes and put it at the bottom. And I just thought I needed that because I can always remind myself of it. And Kamali said, our bar for achievement isn't us resolving the issues. It's about us creating a framework and a blueprint in order to move forwards. And so I really absorbed that. And so just to answer your question about what are our future goals, we racism is as old as the hills right anti-black racism is as old as the hills we are unlikely to and i'm not being pessimistic i hope i'm being maybe realistic we are unlikely to be able to eradicate it in in 10 years i don't know that we can reduce it we can change systems etc but i don't think we're going to be able to eradicate it but certainly what the black music coalition will do and i you know i put my word on that what we'll do is create the blueprint and the framework for actual change right so that changing of the system we can push that forward that eradication racism in the spaces the workspaces and in the individuals that it resides through the the work and the initiatives and the education and the lobbying that we will do and do we will create a blueprint for others who come before us because we also come after others who have already done this work um, others that come after us rather will be able to follow through and continue pushing forward and so yeah I think I hope it hasn't been too kind of esoteric and abstract but that's actually that's the goal Okay, I'm very interested in how you've just phrased that because one of the things that's just come up recently as is the latest allegations about Tim Westwood and I just wanted to get your thoughts on within the music industry what do you think needs to be changed in order to to move on from people that have not only enabled Tim Westwood but Tim Westwood himself from being able to do what he's done allegedly <laughs> that word allegedly well look if I have my way we're not move on from it we're gonna stand in it and we're gonna examine it and we're gonna understand like how it came to be and the reason it was allowed to manifest because of some of the things that we've already discussed in the show like victims right and again the subject is layered with so many of my other kind of like social thoughts and thoughts about gatekeeping and gatekeeping black culture and why that's really necessary and who sometimes lets the side down on doing that. So my thoughts on Tim Westwood are plentiful, but I will say this, that everyone knew, I'm not even in music and I've done hurt. Although I will say my naivety didn't know that it was as horrific as 
a couple of those stories that I heard on that thing. So I'd heard of misconduct, but not being in the industry, I didn't know what the specifics of that were. And you also have your own social, your own social like interactions that Tim Westwood managed to find himself into, right? In your teens. But I feel as though there is yet to be a proper reckoning on all of the issues which have allowed somebody like Tim Westwood, if what he's said to have done is true, to be able to be in that environment and move freely and unchecked in that very black environment. And I'm specifically saying in that very black environment because it's an indictment upon community and whether or not community actually exists for him to have been able to do that. So my thoughts are that we need to, we we can't move from it. We need to look at it and we need to vocalise specifically how and why he was able to do that. And that's going to mean a lot of calling out and a lot of frank talking into that. But a lot of people aren't. A lot of people aren't. A lot of people don't want to speak frankly. And that's where the problem is. And that's why. And I'm telling you, when you come from the same hymn sheet all the time, because this keeps happening, you have a long conversation with an individual or people and everything comes full circle. But I'm waffling. I'm saying it because I said about victims and victimhood. We've already discussed that. We've discussed white female victimhood and compare and contrast that with black female victimhood. And we've discussed the whole issue of community and what does it mean for community? And if Kevin Samuels can be in the community, but talk down on the sector of the community, and it's up to that sector of the community to try and protect themselves. No one's coming to their protection. And that's just words. How wouldn't someone like Tim Westwood view that, not that particular scenario, but see how things roll in that community and say to themselves, oh yeah, listen, I'm ready to roll through and do what I want there. It's a poor indictment. I think people who are supposed to be the protectors in a community, and that needs to be talked about. But I don't know. 100%. Definitely, definitely. I don't know if they want to talk about that. (laughs) But we will. I want to go to your day job. Just how do you shake off like really harrowing cases? What what do you do? Do lawyers get like mental health support? Is that a, is that in in the culture? Do you have that kind of space to think about your mental health? Well, there's this new thing now, relatively new at the bar, where people are talking about well-being at the bar because the the the, the profession is a high stress profession and it has as I understand it, a high incidence of people who use and abuse like alcohol and drugs and probably as a crutch for the stresses that they go through in their job as well as generally in life. Mental health awareness, well-being, well-being awareness is slowly coming into people's psyche within the profession. 
So people now have an understanding of working hours and not working outside of those hours and how quite wrong it is to have to, you're in court from in the courtroom. I'm not even talking about what you've done in the morning to prepare to be in the courtroom, but in the courtroom from like 10 to 4.30 and then something comes up in the courtroom, like a legal argument, you've got to prepare it for the next day and you're doing that at home and you might be up until what o'clock, you haven't even thought about your kids, you haven't even thought about food and all the rest of it. That takes its time and so people are now are speaking out against that kind of culture of always being on always having to do work at home and then come back to work in work and then take work home and do work at home etc etc so yeah people are thinking about it there are organizations we have a well-being person in chambers who you can go to with your well-being needs i personally am very much about self-care and awareness about what my actual limits are and I say that I'm aware of it doesn't mean that I don't push the borders of it and I can engage in harmful work practices all nighters and all of that sort of stuff to get stuff done and I have to actively tell myself this is you gotta stop you gotta press pause you got to take breaks and all the rest of it. Yeah, it's a thing. And it's a thing that I encourage people, especially young people coming up in the profession and through the ranks to be really cognizant of because work takes over. I say to people that this job has a voracious appetite and it will eat and take and eat and take and eat and take until you say stop. So that's what I have to do. So... On that note, how do you relax? How do you separate yourself from the, that, that, that eat and take job, that voracious appetite job that sucks you in and you have to be fully present in court? But then how do you separate that from then your Cheryl who we're catching joke with? And yeah, you, <laughs> you know I love a good joke. And that's, yeah. you know, that's it. Do you know what? I, I like to sleep a lot. So I have a really great relationship with my wonderful beds. <laughs> And that, no, it's important for me. It's important for me to really get my hours in. I have a wonderful group of friends, people that I can really lean into when I need company, silent company, loud company, like to do stuff, to not do anything, to just veg out. There's that. And also my family are a great source of outlet for me like chilling, spending time with my family, spending time with my mum is really important to me. That makes me feel super connected to just me. And so, yeah, that's a big thing. And just, yeah, I down tools on the regular. <laughs> Whenever I can get away with it. Yeah, this ain't no work kind of girl. I don't know. I do work hard to get what I want to get done and to get the results that I want in cases. Yeah, I go hard. When I can stop, there's that space to stop. Oh, Cheryl's going to stop. <laughs> Cheryl's going to stop. So, yeah, I just do it. I do it like that. Cool. So, okay. When people have so much on, I, I feel like there is no end goal because you're always doing other things and you're always looking at one thing and then moving on to the next. So I always... I, I missed the like first the I missed the first bit of what you said. When people have what? When you have so much on, I find that people never, ever have a real end goal because there's always new things that they're striving to achieve. But I just wanted to find out from you, what would it take 
Like, would you, when you're 80 or like 90, what is it that you're going to be like, okay, I'm all right now. I've, I've done, I've ticked those boxes. Do you know what? I think more and more when I think about what I want my legacy to be, it's really less about the professional goals. I might make my professional goals. I might not. I might make them. I might not. I probably will. But <laughs> let me just say, for instance, I might not. But truly, I want when I'm 80, when I'm 90, I just want to just know that I just, I lived good. I have loved well and been loved. Like, I know it sounds all airy-fairy, but it's a really good question because it's stuff that I'm thinking of now. Because I see a lot of the stuff that I'm doing and, yes, yeah, a lot of doing. You're always doing, you're doing. But like I said, I always check in with myself because ultimately I want myself to be happy and I want myself to be fulfilled. And I, I just want to know that I lived in myself, right? To so not my job, like my, like me, this person on screen, that I just lived in me. And so hopefully when I get to 80, 90, and I'm just, oh, I'm just like happy with me. I, I hope that sums it up because that's what I want. It does. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, cool. We're going to get into the quick fire round questions. These Not are quick fire. Yes, quick fire. <laughs> this is a way aunties, when you're surrounded by the aunties at the party and they ask you all the inappropriate questions in the world that you cannot stand, you don't want to answer, but we're going to do it anyway because we are aunties getting your real business. First of all, what's your relationship status? Are you married? Do you have a man? Where's your other half? What's going on? <laughs> so you just even went there. That's Wednesday. <laughs> if there's any tenderonies out there, I'm single, ready to mingle. That's all we wanted to know. And, and the next one is so this is the, do you know what? This is, I'm, we leave it on. We do ask men and women of this where other places don't ask men and women this question. So that's why it becomes a bone of contention. However, children, are they on the agenda? Do you have any, do you want any? Is it a sensitive question for you? No, it's not. No, it's not sensitive. Not, only when people say things like, oh, when or whatever like that, then it's like, why would you be clock watching? Do you know what I mean? But yeah, no, I would love to have, children that's yeah that's it I, so I remember right I was dating one guy before and I said oh you know I said before in, in this show I don't have sisters I said oh man I'd love to have a sister you really like to have a sister I wonder if she'd be like me fight <laughs> right and then he was like oh don't worry like you'll have a daughter and you'll be able to see yourself through her and I was like <laughs> And so I always see, I always feel like, yeah, I just want to see, this is not the reason to have children. I know it might even be coming from a place of ego, but oh, yeah, I would love to see a small me running around, Sha. <laughs> I would love that. Like, what would they be like? <laughs> Thing is about a small you, there's nothing that. about when you find yourself telling a small you off for things that you would do. <laughs> 
gosh, I can actually imagine, you know, because that's yeah. another thing that my mom, my mom always used to say to me, like when I was in trouble, she said, the things that you'll be doing me, your children will be doing you. Yeah. It, 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 okay. it's that. There's no way around it. One of them is going to be a reflection of yourself. 100. But yeah. Yes. I quite like the thought of that. That's wild. Yeah, I quite like the thought of that. <laughs> it is wild, trust me. So you mentioned you've got brothers. Yeah. Are you an auntie? I am. Auntie, what type of auntie are you? Oh my gosh. So to my my niece, I am cool auntie. I am the plug. Right? Let me call her and get her to say these things. So yeah. So I'm cool auntie. I'm the plug. She has she's at law school at the moment. She's following in her auntie's footsteps, but not entirely because I told her what area of law not to go into. And yeah, I've been able to guide and plug her in certain directions, which is a great feeling to be able to do that. And to my nephew, I the he's always going to get sweets. He's always going to get his own way. Don't bother tell him off because... Right? <laughs> I'm that auntie. And when my nephew, let me see if you'd be able to, um, you can see him. Uh, when he was born and they sent his picture home to Nigeria, everyone was like, oh, he looks like Ada, which is me. I was like, of course he does. Who else is he going to look like? His parents. And then to all the other children that I have in my life, godchildren and friends' children and stuff like that. I think I, I know I am to some. I am the cool auntie that will be like encouraging you. Yes, you can wear lip gloss. EJ, you can wear lip gloss. But have you ever had, give us an example of when you've had to go like auntie mode though, where you're not so quite so cool. Do you know what? I take the responsibility of being able to guide some of the children around me very seriously. And so I just remember one summer, <clears throat> I was at, again, my A1 day one, my best friend's house, and loads of her nieces and nephews were around, and many of them, I'm their godmom anyway, like from different sisters. But I just remember deciding that I was going to take the, some of the older boys and sit them down and just talk to them about, in my mind, it was about joint enterprise, right? So it was about don't be a follower, be a leader. If you see things going on, you can't use your mind to say, I'm not involved and go, leave a situation. If you don't want to be involved in a situation, don't be involved in a situation. And just talking to them about maybe using style and even finesse to be able to be like, oh, do you know what? Oh, my girls just messaged me. I'm going to go meet, like exit tactics because I've worked with and represented many young people who have been caught up in incidents where they are not the prime movers. They're part of a crowd. They're part of sometimes just a gawping crowd, very different from an encouraging or an assisting crowd. And I use those words for a reason. Who've been caught up in, in situations which have affected their whole life and their, their liberty, if you understand what I mean. And so I just felt like in that moment, Who's going to tell them that? And I would want, I, I, I want them to, to think about that. And yeah, that was, you've got to be a serious auntie for some things. And it would be, it would be 
he'll be mad of me not to eat the young black boys. Can I just say, as someone who has personal experience of a very close family member being affected by a joint enterprise, I absolutely love that you took the time to explain it to them because people don't understand that you can literally just be a part, a standby person standing by and be cast yeah. at the same time, yeah. the same time, the same brush you can. Yeah. So I just absolutely love and respect that you took the time to say that to them. Yeah. And it was really less about giving a law lecture, but more kind of just saying summer, you might be out with your friends. These are the situations that can come up and it's in the blink of an eye. You know, there was a time I was coming out of a, I was out, in fact, of a court, one of these West London courts, I think it was Isleworth Crown Court, and I was sat in my car just getting ready to go. And like all these school kids were like on the road, but they weren't just coming from, something was going on in it. So I wound out my window and I was thinking, what's going on? You can feel it in the air, you can hear it in what they're saying. And then I saw my eyes were drawn to this like tall black kid. He's probably the same age as his peers, but he just stands out because he's bigger and he's taller. And I was just like, that's the one that gets in trouble, isn't it? So I like, you know, when you go into auntie mode for strangers, I called him over and I said, you know what? You go home. Whatever's going on, go home now. Because let me tell you something. It's you. It's your face. You're the one that stands out in the crowd. Right. So for right or for wrong, you will be the one that will be in the mix of something. Please go home. And he took it. People say, oh, young people are this, that. and I've never found young people that are more than like open to whatever you have to say to them, depending on how you say it. And yeah, he took it. He knew what I was saying. And I, I think he was like with his friends, come go, man. And I'm like, please, <laughs> because there's so many kids around, but my eyes drawn to it and I just know how it goes. So yeah, I think I'm I think I'm actually officially anti-status now. I think that's right. Well, I think once I hit 40, that's like I need to start I telling to start so you need to call me auntie. That's when it happens. Okay, you need to tell your favorite aunties something that you wouldn't tell or you haven't told your mum or dad. We want uh, something. Uh, you want me to you want me to be saying that here on since yes. Yes. That this live. Safe space, safe space. We, we, we want to say that it's a safe life space. Yeah. <laughs> Something that I haven't told my mum or dad. Just tell us what you've done wrong that you didn't tell anybody in the first place. You tell your aunties, you always come and tell your aunties the truth. Tell us the truth. This is it. This is what we want to hear. Hell to the no, no, no. <laughs> Where they do that at? No. <laughs> no. Immediately no. <laughs> Immediately no. Something that I... Chill speaking, I'm still going to get beat if I say this. I think one thing I'll say is... I feel like, you know, people say, oh, you're youngest and you've got your brothers. Oh, you spoiled. Honestly, I would say to my mum and dad, I don't think you lot sport me enough. That's what my thing would be. I don't think you sport me enough. I feel like, because I, and I always say this to one of my friends, she'll know. I always say it to her because she's had another, but she's had another baby recently. But her youngest, I always say, you know, make sure you spoil that one. You're not doing enough for her. You always like 
leaving her out of things and stuff like that. If I FaceTime and then I'm speaking to her and then the eldest one will come in and be like, hi, Auntie Cheryl. And I, in my head, and I'll say to her, I'll say, but, but where's, you know, her youngest? Because I want to get her here, here as well. Don't let her left out. Because I feel like, as the youngest, I feel like I didn't have enough attention on me. Okay, no. That's that last thing. That's what that is right there. That's that. What is that? That's the last child thing. That's what you last no, child. I feel like oh, I didn't God. have enough focus on me. That's probably why I'm so loud because I had to. My life, I had to fight. <laughs> don't don't bring Celie into this. Don't bring. Oh, sorry, Sophia. Don't bring. <laughs> into this. No, I swear. I feel like seriously. I've kind of hinted it at my mom. Let me just tell you something. So many pictures, my brother, up for me. So many pictures of that boy in a buggy, in my mom's arms, doing this, doing that, being a baby. I've been looking for pictures of me in similar poses. <laughs> I can't find them. Oh, there's plenty of me and him together. Yeah. But where were my own solo shots? Oh, so many. You were young and he was young. It's. Honestly, I'm not even lying to you. I'm saying it in bants, but yeah, no, there's a part of me that's hurt by that. So I think that is the thing, but I have hinted it at my mum, but then when she looks at me, I pipe down a bit. I feel like you you lot didn't spoil me enough. I'm the last. I'm the only girl. I'm so unsatisfied with this response. I like what you're saying, but I don't think I want to learn anything from you. No, I... Guys, let me just tell you something. You think I'm a lawyer for no reason. I'm going to up here and tell you about bodies. <laughs> no. <laughs> Immediately no. <laughs> Immediately no. Okay, okay, okay. Redeem yourself. Make us proud. Tell us, like, one thing that you're super proud of just in life. I am super proud. Oh. What am I super proud of? Yeah, I love me some me. So I'm just, yeah, I guess I'm just, uh, oh, no, yeah, for real. Okay, let me just, because I, uh, you think about it. Yeah, I am. The reason why I just had a moment of thought is because I am, I was going to say, oh, yeah, I'm just really proud of me. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But then I went deeper because, so I think back to, you know, scenario, like coming out of difficult period with somebody and it was yeah it was very negative and so sometimes when I step outside of myself and I see myself now I'm just how you like me now like I like because you can still think back to oh just like some of that bad shit right and even being able to extract yourself from it yeah that's good but it's not that it's the rebuilding process so I'm definitely, I hope I'm not being too elliptic, I'm going to put all my business on the street, but I'm very proud of my rebuilding process because a lot of it had to be done in silence as well. So I'm not really a, you know, spoil your guts out kind of person. A lot of it had to be done in silence and I did that. So, yeah. yeah. What is a family saying that you heard growing up that you hold dear or just wholeheartedly reject? And if it isn't a saying, like a practice or something that you guys did, that you're like, I'm not going to do that. Like, for example, my mum irons everything. I'm not going to do that. How about you? 
So something that I hold dear. So I, like a, yeah. wholeheartedly reject. It could be a saying or it could be like. So I hold dear the fact that my mum in the past has described me as a perfect 10. Because she said I'm like the fifth child of a fifth child. And be like, yo, you're a 10. Like, fuck this up. Fuck this shit up. Excuse my language. Oh, I love right? that. So I hold I love that. that because that's that can get me through and yeah. things that I reject from you mean like from within my family circle like you didn't have, yeah you didn't have to you don't have to have a rejection it's just like we there's yeah. some things that you either or that you hold dear that you carry on traditionally like that perfect 10 is wonderful like you could just leave it on the perfect 10 because I think yeah. that was a perfect 10 yeah so that that, that would be that and I, I actually wholeheartedly reject, I, there's something that I do wholeheartedly reject, anyone who knows me now, any limitations placed upon women and, and, and femalehood. Like, yeah. That's so I, cute. Okay. It's, it's, yeah, it's me now. Unsolicited advice. Do you have any issues that you would like us to solve for you? Because as your aunties, we're happy to do that. Oh my god, you guys should have told me because I would have come prepared. You should have had that in your um prep talk. You think I read? <laughs> As a lawyer. I mean we would want a dilemma. We would want a dilemma, but if you want our unsolicited advice, I'm sure we can muster up something. Okay, so these are all vanity factors. But I just feel like my stomach, I need my stomach off layer in two weeks because I'm going away. And unsolicited advice. I don't know. If you don't, then it's fine. Yeah. My thing is, you mentioned being 40 and you just said about your stomach off layer. What I will say to you is this. When you hit 40, you will embrace you wholeheartedly i know you said that you do immediately no immediately no wonderful girl you look good do you know what i mean i that's what i'm gonna say to you you look good i take that and i will take that yeah i you know what i definitely know that i have unfeasible body standards i've been affected by that and that concerns me just on the serious note that concerns because i think if big me big old me will just be there looking at pictures like oh how come i felt so flat and i know it's been like airbrushed and all the rest of it what hope is there for people that don't even get that but yeah no i know i'm listen 40 plus please respect me please but yeah i definitely accept all of me like when i wake up in the morning and then i look at my stomach in the mirror i'm just like oh my god oh i'm so flat and then so yeah no i definitely i don't know my friend was talking to me about peloton bikes today if you see me i mean mean, let me tell you something let me tell you about peloton it's a bad girl thing but you've got to have the account it's a lot i have access to one through a membership that i have and that gym has them and they are good and what i do love about the peloton trainers especially shout out tunde beautiful tunde um, Nigerian American trainer and then Alex Tussain, who's that? There's also one that they called Alex because when my friend showed me the screen, yeah, Alex Tussain, Alex Tussain, he's <laughs> and he's brilliant. So between Tunde and Alex and Ali Love, and they are coincidentally all the black trainers, the three black trainers that I work <laughs> on. But there is something about 
just the way they do it. And Tunde's very empowering. Alex is go, Ali Love is, if you think you're nice, she's got a Beyonce set, which is phenomenal. It is a nice kind of, I don't know, empowering workout and it is doable. It's, you can manage it, it's not hard. So if you do have access to mm. Peloton, it is a good one. I like Peloton. It's hard work. And I do, yeah. I mean, post 40, like, <laughs> I've had the benefit, shouldn't, you know, guys, just. I know I what have. you're going to say. Was, you know what? That was a really bad yeah. experience for me. Yeah. I didn't even get weight loss. Let's just call it the 19 diet. Yeah. The July people, <laughs> they did lose weight. Almost everybody that I know that had COVID around July, August, June, July, August, 2021, they all lost weight. It was a particular strain. But that's Let me just tell you something. That is the strain that hit me. And honestly, oh, I don't even yeah. usually joke about it because it was really bad. It was like one of the worst yeah. experiences of my life. But... What pissed me off is then seeing, okay, I said, huh, this girl, why is she looking so slim? And then she told me it was the 19 diet. So on top of the fact that I thought I was even going to die there, I didn't even come out of it slender. No, Bro, I think I was I slender for two minutes afterwards and then the slenderness went. Do you know what it is for me? And, and real talk, we are going on to 11 o'clock. Well, you know what it is for me? is that I've always had cheap meals, even when I had weight. I didn't realize how unhappy I was with the weight. Yeah. So losing it, the only, because I had that COVID disgust, it was bad, it was horrible. Me too was thinking, am I going to wake up from this? But on the flip side, I didn't expect to lose weight. However, I have been very strict on maintaining it and not, I've been very conscious of not going back into it, putting on the weight that I had. And it wasn't like I was huge or anything like that, but I'm very conscious because I just, I realized that, I'm a lot freer on that excess weight that I had. That's the only reason why I've been very disciplined. Yeah. I just want the diet where I don't have to do anything and I just wake up and my body's banging. That's all I want. I don't actually, I'm not even saying about going to the gym. Let me tell you this. My new job has a free gym. They've given us free access to a state-of-the-art, flipping amazing gym. It's bad. I went in there, I was like, this is really good. I've never been back. The only time that gym sees me is when I go for my massage in the room next door. I'm just not. I just want to wake up and be like, yeah, I, I, I can't. I'm that's too lazy. I'm embracing that. I'm lazy. That's, that's in your 20s. In your 20s, you can do that. You can go a day or two and not eat and your tummy is fat. No, you're yeah, talking about like a day or two. Really I just used to have to drop one, maybe two meals. Yeah. I was doing concave, stomach, yeah. slender. Now, listen, I've, I've, today I've had nuts. What else did I have today? I've had fruit, I had plums and I've had nuts and I've had water. And I didn't realise we were going to go on so long because I was actually going to break my, not fast, but I was going to have like a full meal. Like after this, I don't know how that's going to work, but I'm doing this to try. I just want flat. You know, okay, we're talking about in, we're talking about advice. What I've noticed that also is, yeah, removing some of those excess carbs and stuff, but it's just smaller portion because I was eating, when I reflected back, I was eating, I would do like, I was eating. And because I was so skinny mini before I had my daughter and through the certain years after my daughter, my metabolism was fast. I could bang out food. I could eat whatever I wanted. My portions were heavy duty. So jalof upon jalof. And I'm thinking, because I've got a side of salad, it's healthy. No. I'm, I'll do wraps, and I'll fill the wraps with chicken. But I'll have two of them. I could have had one. 
I think the main thing is just understanding your body because what works for you might not work for me. Like with me, I like food. Like everyone, like you said something that really resonated with me. Like I like food. I need to go somewhere and know what are they, are there food options? You will see in my face that I'm vexed that I can't eat. However, what I know is I can't eat like bad carbs. I can't eat white rice often. Like I might have white rice once every six months. I can't eat bread and I can't, like I have to be very conscious about those sorts of things because when I eat that shit, I look like I'm about to give birth. So I avoid bad carbs. I'm all about good carbs. And like, that's sustainable for me. I've been doing that for a while. And I notice when I fall off of that track, that's when my stomach's a bit like, wah, wah, wah. So that's that on that. Guys, we must move on to what's made me sad man glad this week. Shoa, did you get this homework? Because you got homework. And if you didn't do it, then you're in trouble. I did the it. Silence. Test me. Okay, what's made you sad? What's made you sad, mad, and glad this week? Sad, mad, and glad. Oh, I God. can let you tell in court. You're making this up. You didn't have your files. Your briefcase is in the downstairs bit. <laughs> so, what made me sad this week? I will say no. I was genuinely saddened. It's not this week because we've only like had Monday and Tuesday, but I was genuinely saddened when I started thinking about what that young boy would go through with that scar and it's like genuinely I related to it that was sad mad what made me angry man it's just like reading some of these people's Kevin Samuels hot takes I just because I don't want to be gang banging on the internet I don't want so I have been having to just restrain myself because I've seen people even a lawyer friend he's not a lawyer in this country but I actually really put up some posts doing up big epistle about him I was like oh okay I didn't unfollow it wasn't it, I wanted to but I didn't because I just thought like I don't even want to turn it into anything but that has it really has I've read some people's hot takes and it's actually maddened me and what has made me glad this week like I said definitely being on here I love to talk definitely and you guys have given me the, the outlet to do that and being out of court today made me glad because I was like a baby girl. I didn't have to go caught. So yeah, I really, I really enjoy my time off. So yeah, that was my sad, mad and glad. Thank you. Um, what's made me sad, mad and glad? Sad, I was ill again and it set me back and it's pissed me off. I've got my results from my doctors. I'm iron deficient of, and it's getting worse. So I need to get my iron up. That's probably contributing to why I'm getting ill so much and stressed and on stress. But we move. But that just pissed me off. That made me sad, actually, because like I didn't have, I wasn't expecting to be ill. I'm mad. I told you that my toilet was broken, then it was fixed. Guess what's broken now? My sink is leaking. It's annoying me. Why is my flat falling apart? Now is not the time. And also, all the people that were very excited about the heat wave. Usually, I try not to be cynical about this UK's weather, but I, for some reason, when people talk about heat wave, I didn't believe it. Normally, you feel like, yeah, the heat wave is true. For some reason, I was never on board with this heat wave. And certain people in the room was like, there's going to be a heat wave. And I was like, no, there's not. And I don't normally like to doubt Debbie down anything to do with heat. But there has not been a heat wave. The weather is dumb. And I'm annoyed. This made me very fucking mad. It would just um, like to interject that they said it's now going to start from Thursday to next Thursday. Nana, they've been talking about the heat wave since April. Just let it go. I'm just saying. Let it go. 
when they're talking about the heat wave, they're not referring to this country. They're referring to somewhere else, okay? Not here. Because te Texas, I saw, has had a heat wave. Texas is heat on heat, on top of heat. So the extra 50 degrees it is, it's gone an extra 20. Texas, maybe that's what everyone's misread. Texas, yeah? Anyway, that made me mad because... Anyway, and I'm also very, I was very glad and touched and honoured to be featured in the We Black Women exhibition at the Donmar um, Theatre. It was curated by the wonderful filmmaker Joan Iola, featuring amazing black women alongside me, like Susan Wakoma, Sheila Atim, Noma Dumasweni, and Naomi Harris, Sophia Hirsch. Basically, women from the noted women from the industry were asked to nominate someone they saw as a hero. And for frick's sake, Sharon Duncan Brewster, a wonderful actress who most recently would have seen her in June, she nominated me. I had no idea what was going to happen. I thought we were just doing like a group shot photo when I turned up for the photo shoot. But when I turned up for the photo shoot, it was a one-on-one -on -one interview with myself and Sharon interviewing me, had a photo shoot. I was flabbergasted moved and emotional and then seeing the end result a little press launch last friday was weird but really honorable and po after that we went to see mary seacole i advise everybody to go see it because it's, it's a powerful play at the donmar theater the exhibition is free and if you fancy going to see my face hanging up and amongst the other women it's there until july 4th and also i'm super glad about this weekend's baftas this sunday I mean, it was the bafta tv awards and it was very representative and very quite diverse so we did the red carpet as we tend to do which is all fun talking to the greats the great black talent that was that were nominated or just there invited and then mo gilligan um who won a bafta for his show the latest show he threw a party and it was again a wonderful party just seeing black creators in the room and vibes in and connecting which is all about what the british blacklist is about it's like connecting so it's great to be in the room and see the fruits of the work and all that stuff come 360. auntie farah what's made you sad mad and glad so funnily enough you're glad it's a little bit of my sad. So I've invented a new word specifically for this. I am sad at my levels of moths. So moths is missing out for fuck's sake syndrome. Basically, because after looking at my Insta feed and seeing all this wonderful, wonderfulness of all these black, beautiful people celebrating the BAFTAs and realizing that not only had I worked on three series of the Mo or two or whatever the hell it is now, the Mo show, me, not only had I done the BAFTAs last year, me, not only had I done Strictly, me, not only had I done all these other things, man still was in the room. So basically, the levels of my moths were heightened. So that made me sad. However, we move on. My mad was that this week, refugees will begin to be sent to Rwanda on a one-way ticket, thanks to pre. Okay, so that's my mad. My glad, however, is that her Preeti Patel's posh party was crashed by protesters against the new refugee policy. That fucking made my day. They were sat at a table and one person got up, it was like, I'm, I'm Spartacus, I'm Spartacus. It was that type of moment because the minute they got rid of one, the other person would continue the speech and it went on and on and I loved that. That made my day. My other glad, I've got a few, is that Black Pound Day are finally getting a permanent shop in Westfield. Props to Swiss and all the team. I think that is an amazing feat. When they did the pop-up last year, I was like, this needs to be made permanent. And I'm super, super happy that, that it's being done. Glad 
my that my friend my dearest who doesn't know how to gas herself and i don't know why she was surprised that she was honored come on chick ak like why the hell don't you recognize yourself for once i know that i'm employed to gas you up but it's getting a bit tedious now so just recognize the greatness that you are and just roll with it that was my glad my other glad was big zoo's acceptance speeches because bruv also another person i've worked with i might just add his speeches just it filled my heart with so much joy his first speech where he was talking about all his team and like where they've come from and the representation and then just the second speech that was dedicated to his mum i absolutely loved it i am glad about all the online footage and mo winning a bafta i think it's amazing and i like just love seeing us out there and lastly kendrick lamar god that made my day live for that <laughs> that's my favorite rapper alive right now he is he is big in it all right okay so my sad i've had a run of insomnia staying up super late so this for me is nothing but like i could go on until 2 2 a.m because i'm not sleeping properly but i really need to top up on essential oils from wellness parlor and fifi has an oil called sleep which is brilliant and it really does help you sleep. I ordered it today actually, so hopefully I'll have it in the, like 48 hours and then I'll be able to sleep again. So that has made me sad. Mad, I literally went bonkers watching um, the footage of the white woman shouting at the kids that I was so, you know, that uh, we all do it when you're like, if that was me, I would do. That lasted a day. I couldn't, everybody I spoke to, I was like, have you seen the thing? If that was me, the way I would have killed that, like, literally, is that I was raging. And if that was a family member, I would still, I had so many plans for how I would stalk the woman, keep it going, make her feel comfortable for a couple of years, and then pop out when she was crossing the road, run her over. I had so many different scenarios. It was, yeah, it was a lot. But I was so enraged. I actually sent a message to his aunt, just thank you for bringing it to, because she was one of the forerunners in bringing it to everybody's attention. And just, yeah, just thanking her. Like that's, those are the, that's what an auntie does. You're in that mother and father in role. You're a part of the family and you somehow, sometimes need to like step outside and be like, what the fact, what the parents are not doing, you step up and do. So I sent her a message about that, but yeah, that, pissed me off really i've already mentioned it but yes yeah, sunday was an absolutely great day and to top off but i also want us to go into it a little bit as well is my other glad is waking up to auntie Shade putting in our group a tweet about jesse williams and i woke up to that and she just simply put it look up jesse williams on twitter thank me later and i was up so i typed it in and yeah, it was a morning welcome to the world. I was like, yeah, that's great. Did you guys see it? Did you think it was a nice morning welcome? Listen, I didn't see it. I heard about it. I, I need to see it. Just Girl, you need to purposes. see it. You need to be I Googling that. It. Why is this still going to be up? Yeah, yeah. It's not taken down yet. It's still there. You need to see it. It's out there too much for it to be taken down. It's what literally out there. <laughs> I mean, what did you think? You're on mute, AK. Oh, it's a lovely, it's a lovely, it's a lovely Willie. <laughs> I have always thought that, and I said this in the group, 
I've always thought he was fine. I have always thought he was fine. But after witnessing his performance, I think now I feel like he's fine. Ooh. It was the flip to the side, that video clip was, yeah. I mean, and people can't say that we're objectifying him. The reason why I will say that because he's in a play, okay? Before people come for us like that, we're saying, "Who do you make it?" It's not like he's in his house standing up in his bathroom. He's in a play. And people knew, and he knew because he was. Sorry, feedback. Sorry. But, um, he's on. He was on the Daily Show talking about it. So he said he put it out there that he's going to be in a show and naked, and it's he's playing. Um, yeah, Cheryl's just seen it. <laughs> Yeah, he put it out there, and it's it's part of his character is gay, and he, there's a naked shower scene, and he actually there's more to it. He kisses and he holds another fellow, another white man who's also naked with his willy swinging, and it's a scene, it's a whole scene. But it was just very like, what the hell? Seeing Jesse Williams noted for Grey's Anatomy in this full frontal glory. Also, just to add, the play is now sold out, and front yes. row seats were going for yes. uh, was it a hundred, four hundred and twenty or one hundred and twenty dollars? I can't remember what it is. Pounds. But yeah, but basically, uh, they're sold out now. Yeah, and that's that on that. No, Cheryl, we haven't had Cheryl's reaction. Cheryl, what did you think now that you've just seen it? <sighs> that dude is healthy. <laughs> He's healthy. <laughs> It's not, it's not even up, it's just in its normal. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's, it's flaccid. Do you think? I thought it was like a... a, a What's semi? A chubby? Yeah, slightly stimulated. Nah. Not nah. crazy, nah. but slightly. Nah. What's stimulating nah. it? Man's just hanging out. Nah. That's not full force. Maybe it's about to get into it, but... Yeah. I, and even still, it's still gonna, it's still a healthy size. He's always appreciated. Mm, not always. It to me. It looks like a curve. I've had a curve anyway. We're getting into real specifics now, but sometimes a curve can be dangerous. It's late now, so it's like kids should all be asleep. It is late. <laughs> Okie dokie. I think mean, he's got a line about kidney shifting. Yeah. <laughs> no, it weren't that big. I thought it was a good sign. No, but you said a curve, and I'm talking about a curve. And because it was flaccid, we're really getting into specifics. But if it was, if it is a grower and not just a shower, then it could be dangerous. That's a huge Sorry, I've got to bring this up because it's like the stark contrast to Jesse. Have you also seen that Peter Andre has been outed for having a chipolata? Apparently, Rebecca Verdi, you know Rebecca Verdi and... Um, yeah, Wayne Colleen Rooney. Colleen Rooney. ...are doing their thing. It They're came out that Rebecca said that he has a chipolata and it's the smallest equipment she'd ever seen. The only thing is, though, she's the only girl that said that. Mel, Mel B didn't say that. And Mel B seems like the type of chick that would say that. What Mel B's been with Peter Andre? Peter Andre, yeah. Peter Andre's had big, yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. Katie. Yeah. I didn't know. No, he was an international pop star, so I can actually, I can imagine that. But yeah, no one has said this before. And I feel like Katie would have said it because she's been quite mean about him once they broke up and stuff. So yes. I feel like she would have said it. So has, There's uh, no see, mysterious girls out there withholding information. So is Rebecca Vardy 
with not with had she with him or she saying she just like, saw it saw it no, she's saying that she was with him and she said that he was the, he had the smallest penis she'd ever seen maybe she's just saying that to get away with her trying to act like she wasn't into wayne rooney or i don't know why she's saying that shit but i feel like that would have come out peter andre's been around from a, a long time it, it's, I was but it was like at the closing of Jesse to Peter Andre, it was like, wow, penises are about on the 10th of May. Just, just updating you on the Twitter streets. It's just good to be talking about penises and not pom poms. <laughs> I roll my eyes so deeply that there was a minute <laughs> wasted at 20 past 11 on Peter Andre's size. I should say okay. this podcast news. No, not my news. Um, Before we go, can we please read Ronald's comment? Because Ronald's been saying a lot of stuff and we've been gassing our lives away. And he's just, let's just read his mad. That'd be quite nice. Okay. All right. So Ronald's mad is my mad. I read that the US ended the transatlantic slave trade because it, it caused it the depressing, because it was depressing the price of domestically produced slaves. After I looked into it further, I found out that there was a slave breeding, there was slave breeding operations in Virginia that I guess carried on. That's quite interesting. I, I really want to look into that as well. He also had a quick question you Cheryl if the opportunity presented itself would you accept a position as a judge it's an interesting question because I at that stage I can probably make those applications now and people have actually encouraged me to make those applications for what's called recordership just like sitting as a part-time judge but you know still maintain your position as a barrister and my answer is always it doesn't really appeal to me it doesn't appeal to me yet so I don't know. We'll see. But that, in specifically, like sitting as a Crown Court judge, doesn't actually appeal to me right now. Can I just ask, especially in the light of the Roe v. Wade conversation, which it hasn't yet been over, it hasn't been passed, but there's there's documents have been leaked. Is the Supreme Court judge? Do we have this version over here? And is there any way that I feel like the UK copies? And this has to be a quick answer. I feel that UK copies America quite often and anything that happens over there just ends up happening over here. Is there a possibility that, do you think that the UK could enforce abortions being um, illegal? And do we have the same level of Supreme Court judge? What's our equivalent? We have a Supreme Court here, which hears points of appeal on, you know, important matters of law. And so there's that. But no, I do, we have our abortion laws and regulations here. I don't think that America's policy will affect the UK. I don't think... I, I don't see that being on the cards. Okay, cool. All right, we'd love to go into the... What were you going to say? No, I was saying that's interesting. I could see similarly when I was looking to see if there was a correlation with your question, I couldn't see the same type of movement happening over here as there is in America. Who knows where the world is going? So, yeah, we can revisit that conversation. Okay, guys. We have to wrap it up. It is very late. Thank you so much to our wonderful guest, Ms. Oh, no, judge. No, lawyer. No. <laughs> Passionate, wonderful, blackity black, Cheryl. 
thank you for joining us being our honorary auntie cheryl filling in for auntie Sade. thank you um, for having me guys thank you so much it's been a wonderful night, wonderful conversation. Guys, thank you for sticking with us and joining in and contributing your conversations and conversation as always. Please, please don't forget to like, comment and subscribe. And yes, don't forget to follow us on all the social media. So do have a Patreon, please. If you'd like to sign up to our subscriptions, check it out. Auntie Nana, I don't know why the, yes, thank you. There you go. It's on the screen. Patreon.com forward slash your aunties could never just continue to make us rich aunties and help us continue to give you all the advice and the love and common sense that you need from us because we are your very special aunties. And that's it. Thank you. Good night. We'll be back next week with uh, more news reviews and interviews. And I, I, I have to do these last two comments because it like just sums up exactly how I'm feeling. T Smith said, a truly wonderful show. She Talks was an exceptional guest. I was simply transfixed and I would love to see her back. Ronald says, great show. Cheryl is so much more than a lawyer. And Vanessa Best says, good night, aunties. And honestly, we have to have you back again. I've, yeah, I've wonderful. Thank you so much. Listening to you as well. It's just been mwah, perfect. <laughs> thank you, guys. That really means a lot to me. And thank you to thank the people who commented. Thank you. Bye, guys. Good night. Night, night. Thank you, thank you.